This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today we've got a very special guest on the podcast. His name is Sam Hayeswinkle. So Sam is a member or was a member of the 2012 U.S. Olympic team. He was a freestyle wrestler on that team. He was also a four-time All-American at the University of Oklahoma. And he also, this is really cool, made the United States World Greco Wrestling Team at the age of 36, which is like decrepitly old for wrestling, but that is a super impressive accomplishment. He currently serves as the head coach for the Regional Training Center here in Oklahoma and also... If that name sounds vaguely familiar, it's because he's a member of my personal foxhole. So you hear me guys talk about all the time, building your own foxhole, like how to build a godly and manly foxhole. Well, he is Sam the Coach. So if you go back to episode 104 of this podcast, I talk about some of my thoughts about Sam the Coach. So this is a great personal friend of mine. We did an in-person conversation. Sorry, there's no video for this one. We were recording in kind of a different studio and all that so we could be in front of each other and there was no real way of doing video. But we talked about a lot of things in this podcast. But before I get into what we talked about, you might be tempted to skip this one. Okay, because it's wrestling and maybe you didn't wrestle or you, you don't really know much about wrestling. There's a lot of really great things for you to look at and to, to think through that have nothing to do with wrestling whatsoever. Okay, so we talked about what it was like for him having a father and an uncle that were both Olympic wrestlers, right? We talked about the entire process and got kind of a behind the scenes look at what it was like to be an Olympian for the 2012 Olympics, what it was like in London, which was really, really cool. We also previewed the 2021 Olympic freestyle wrestling and kind of got some gold medal predictions. We did a behind the scenes look at the crazy Jaden Cox weight cutting scandal that happened during the U.S. trials. He was actually there. It, while this was all happening, he was near all those wrestlers. So we got an inside look at that. Also, his thoughts on American athletes that are protesting the country that they're pretending to work for or serve. Also, his thoughts on, you know, weight cutting for children wrestlers and, you know, whether or not young boy wrestlers should wrestle against young girls. But towards the end, he goes through this crazy story. And I've heard him tell it before, but there's a crazy story where his wrestling training almost cost him his life. Okay. Like, insanity. And you're just going to have to stick around to check that out, guys. Without further ado, let's get into it. Sam Hayeswinkle, welcome to Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. Thanks, man. I'm hey, excited to be here. Hey, you should be excited because this is actually the first time I've been in the same room with the person I was doing the interview with. So we're going to be able to like- we the first? Yes. We're going to be able to interrupt each other. We're going to be able to like, literally, if you want to like poke me in the eye or shoot a takedown while we're doing all this, like it's all available to you. So- uh I'm going to be knee fighting for the space no, like see, you do on an airplane. No, that's why Elbows. I sat right here so that you couldn't get there. I know I know you guys can't see us on video right now, but there is a gap big enough between us to where I'm not too terribly worried. Because here's the thing. We're going to be talking about a lot of wrestling today. So, mm -hmm. guys, uh, and I told you all here in the intro that even if you're not into wrestling, this is going to be an interesting conversation because whenever you can get into the, the mind of somebody that has made the sacrifice to be an Olympian, that's a pretty important thing, and that's a pretty amazing thing for, for everyone to be around. But just to kind of even start off with you, Sam, like it seems like from an outside observer, you didn't really have a choice in whether or not you were going to be a wrestler because your dad and your uncle were both Olympians, right? So, I mean, did you feel like you had a choice? Like, could you have just picked up golf if you wanted to? Oh, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I loved it. My, my dad's rule was uh, you got to be in a sport or you got to have a job. And so young, wrestling was the sport that was the easiest. But like high school, my brothers did football and got jobs. And I think I'm the only one that wrestled in college uh, and maybe the only one that 
wrestled all the way through high school. Okay. One brother might have. So when did you start wrestling? Uh, I don't remember. Like actual, like formal, putting on a singlet, going to tournaments, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't remember. As, as long as I can remember, I've, I was wrestling in tournaments, three or four, something like that. Okay. Did you feel like since your dad and your uncle were obviously big, you know, influences in your life, did you feel like you... I know I kind of already asked this, but did you feel like you had the option to do something else or was it literally just like wrestling just agreed with you so much it didn't even matter? Yeah, it didn't matter for me. My, my brothers would say that they felt like they needed to, uh, at least up through high school. They, they didn't feel that way in high school. But when we were kids, that yeah, I don't know that we had much of a choice. We had to go to wrestling practice. Okay. So was that something that you like resented or was that something that, you know, because, again, when you look back, you know, oh, my, my mom and dad, they forced me to do this. Or they forced me to do that. Like, it's kind of easy to get a little jaded about that. But, like, when you were living it, did it feel like you were kind of under their thumb like you absolutely had to? Uh, no, because I loved it. I mean, I had the days like any kid where you don't want to go to practice and your parents make you. But it was never like a whole season or a month where I didn't want to go and couldn't stand it and felt like I was being forced. Uh, my brothers, again, would probably say yes. Right. They felt a little more like they were forced to, but. So how did that affect your relationship like with your brothers? Because like, I know there's all, there's, there's all kinds of familial dynamics. And of course, like you've got your own kids and, you know, we've got our one and, you know, hopefully more. And, you know, there's always those dynamics like, oh, is, is mom or dad like favoring this kid or that kid? Or like, oh, they're only doing that to make dad proud or something like that. So did that ever kind of create issues with you and your siblings that they weren't as into it as you were? Probably. Okay. I, I, I know I seem ultra aware of everything going on around me, but... I don't think I was as a kid. I was very uh, narrow-minded, focused, you know. I was going to make an Olympic team, so I was focused on wrestling and didn't really notice my brothers hated it too much or didn't like it or if Dad was leaning toward me because we liked the same thing, right? which I'm sure happened. Well, so, like, at what age did you – I guess, make the idea in your brain, like you wanted to be Olympian. Cause when I was a little kid, it's like, Oh yeah, I wanted to be a major league baseball player, but I also wanted to be a soldier. I also wanted to be an astronaut. Like you, you want to be these things, but right. like at what age or kind of what time period of your life can you remember? No, no, no. I'm going to be an Olympic wrestler. As far back as I can remember. Okay. I would play with my dad's Olympic ring, put on his clothes. Like I knew I was going to be an Olympian. And I thought every kid did that. Like I knew every kid wanted to be everything, right. but I thought they all wanted to be an Olympian and yeah, I'd, for me, it was easy. That was what I was going to do. And I didn't really ever want to be anything else. I never wanted to be a fireman or whatever. Okay. So with the kids that you were growing up with that were like your teammates or anything like that, that didn't have Olympians like living in their same house or showing up at the family barbecue, did you see some of those kids kind of make that same declaration? Like, I want to be an Olympian. I want to do that thing. Like, or was that just not, was it so outside the norm? Cause like for me to say I wanted to be an Olympian, like no one in my family is even an athlete, much less an, an, an Olympic athlete, right? So like, do you feel tell. like that? Oh yeah, get out of here. You, you haven't been to my family reunions. You wouldn't be impressed, I'll tell you that much. But you know what, you know, did that have something to play into it? Like, did they kind of have the same goal, even though they didn't have the same family set up? In wrestling practice, yes, we, we were good. We had a good, a good team. Uh, like at church, at school, no, no, that was like the normal. I want to be an NBA player. Okay. I'm like, okay, go, go for it. Well, so with that, there, there's a lot of people that have goals, right? So, right. so I, I say this all the time, like, you know, people like talk a lot about goal setting. I think the second podcast of, of this podcast was about manly goal setting. It was the second or third podcast. Like, but 
winners and losers have the same goals. I mm-hmm. love that quote. Like that's, I think that's the only quote from the atomic habit books that I've like remembered because the book was just kind of, eh. but like winners and losers, losers have the same goals. And so for you, like, do you remember a time in your life where it's like, okay, this isn't just my goal, but this is within reach. Because I think for a lot of people, like when I topped out at five ten, so did most of my major league baseball aspirations. There's not a whole <laughs> lot of dudes below, you know, six foot tall that, that make it into the majors, you know, they've, regardless of how good they are. So like for you, did you have a time period where like, no, no, I, I realize that this is possible within my reach. Yeah. I, I think I always felt that way. My dad was Olympian. I figured I had better coaching than better chances than anybody else. And I won everything. It, my brother, on the other hand, took third at everything. He just always was third, didn't like it, didn't think he could make it. And, uh, looking back, he lost to Johnny Hendricks every week. Okay. Who was pretty good yeah you know? he's not that he's not bad <laughs> yeah he's not bad but but at the time my brother's like man i'm not i'm never gonna win so he didn't like wrestling so much he, he got out of it didn't do it in high school and so for me i always thought so yeah and i think that's an interesting point because when you look at certain people like can you imagine being the the guy at the same weight class as kale sanderson at iowa state right like you're just because you didn't know he was going to be what he was like when he got there. Like you maybe had some ideas that this guy's going to be pretty good, may be an all American, may win some national titles, but you didn't think undefeated, you know, four years, you know, running of national titles. Imagine being that guy, but imagine that being in like junior high, like the guy that you're trying to, you know, wrestle, you know, to to just make the team, just to be the starter for for the team or whatever, like, you know, the challenge matches and stuff like that's got to be like crazy, you know? Yes. I, I, uh, was trying to set records in high school I, w- I wanted to have the most takedowns in the state and i want to have the most pins and so uh i would take every kid down five times before i'd pin them right and man i talked to a guy the other day just random he's like oh yeah i wrestled you in high school it was like my first week out and you you scored like 57 <laughs> points on me and i quit and i was like oh man that's not what i was going way to for. go like way to go sam it's not You're at supposed all to spread the love of wrestling not like yeah. destroying people's hopes and dreams yeah it's, it's funny how you don't think that way at all when you're right. a kid and so where'd you go to high school be. uh i went to high school in florida okay and so like i know that you know every state kind of has their thing and you know florida texas california those are more like kind of the college football like right. you know or high school football areas and then you know iowa oklahoma you might get a little bit more wrestling so what was it like in florida for wrestling was that like were y'all good at wrestling is that like a florida thing or was that so- something else no they were not not good especially coming from oklahoma uh went to florida and just kind of walked through it and they're they got a lot better right as i finished uh, wrestling in Florida got a lot better, uh, and I'm gonna claim it. It was all me. Yeah, it was a, yeah. a high school kid. Is exactly. Me. Yeah, you're, you're uh, the one that started, but you were undefeated in high school, right? I was undefeated in high school. Okay. Three time state champ. Okay, so That's was that always fun to figure out? Right, exactly. Well, I'm assuming if you didn't lose that, you, unless you you know quit right before the end, you know, which we've seen yeah. in the Olympics here yeah. recently. But um, but with that in mind, like. I guess, were you ever in trouble in any of those matches? Because, you know, it was it, or was it just you just took people down, cut them, and took them down, and then eventually pinned them? Yeah, and in Florida, I, I don't think I was ever in trouble. Okay. I was, I was a little, I'd say, a level ahead. Now, I go to national tournaments, and I was in trouble. I had a lot of close matches. and uh, But within Florida, wasn't, yeah. So is that, 
So uh, whenever you said that, that just reminded me of something. I think I've heard Chael Sonnen talk about this, about like Yoel Romero, and he kind of talks about the differences between like the American wrestling teams and the Cuban wrestling teams. And like the American teams, like they're trying to beat you by as much as possible and get to the pin as quickly as possible and effort, 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 go, go, go. Whereas like Cubans and Russians and all that, like, you know, he would talk about Yoel Romero in some of these, you know, Olympic matches. Like he would just wait and wait similar to his MMA career and he would just explode when he needed to, but he would never give more effort than what was minimally necessary for him to win that match like so do you feel like you were you're it kind of seems like you're way more on the the latter spectrum or the the prior spectrum where it's like you wanted to just absolutely obliterate these people and leave no doubt yes i I leaned that way i will say by the end of my career i leaned more toward uh romero style like i tried to be smarter um part of that i was getting older but 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 a big part of it was you know, conserving energy, being smart. Right. You're going to win the Olympics. Everything matters, you know. And, and so the U.S. leans that way because Iowa, back in the day, Dan right. Gable. And, right. Uh, that was their, their stick. You know, it's still their stick now. We're, we're the toughest. We're the meanest. And everybody wanted to be Iowa. So that became the focus across the nation. Uh, but, but you see it at the higher levels. They get smarter. You right. Know. Well, the thing that that kind of brings up is because you'll see that, especially in, you know, we're right in the middle of the Olympics right now and you'll see someone kind of take it easy on the semifinal thing. And then but then you'll see other people that just go balls out in the semifinal and the final and win. And so I guess it's just different for everybody because everybody kind of has their own gas tank. But uh, one thing before we move on from high school, so undefeated high school wrestler for you growing up in a state where, you know, wrestling isn't worshiped like it is in Iowa or, you know, basketball in Indiana or something like that, you know, was that good for you in high school to like, were you like a recognizable, you know, jock athlete kind of thing because you were the undefeated wrestler? Because there are some schools, like we had some really good wrestlers at at the schools that I grew up in, but we we weren't like known for having this lineage and legacy of wrestlers. And so these, these were just kind of almost underappreciated athletes. Whereas the guy, you know, that was a decent you know, running back for the football team, maybe got a little bit more play. Like for you, like, did that kind of bring you some, some plaudits from, from your, you know, classmates or teammates or something? Not at all. No. Okay. Yeah. Wrestling's never been big. Most, most people didn't know anything about how good I was, uh, or anybody on our team or, you know, just wrestling in general. It's not, it's never been a big fan sport. Right. Well, it's, that's why whenever you hear people talk about wrestling in such hallowed terms, it's because it's not this grand, glorious thing. I mean, you have Jordan Burroughs, and we'll talk a lot more about Jordan later. But, you know, when you have a guy like that who's trying to, like, make a career out of wrestling and things like that, and it's like, well, in America, there's not really a market for that as much. And, you know, you got to go yeah. overseas and do those types of things to, to kind of make a career. But, you know, we'll, we'll get more into to Jordan here in a bit. But for you, obviously, undefeated high school wrestler, three-time state champion. Tell me about the recruitment process because you ended up at OU, which, you know, doesn't have, just in the state of Oklahoma, doesn't have kind of the reputation of being like the wrestling school. Easy, because, hey, I'm easy. just saying, I told you about the separation <laughs> on the table. I can at least run away. you live I'm, next I'm to Hardell. Figuring, hey, you know, I do live next to Hardell Moore. Hey, he's an alum of the podcast, so shout out to Hardell. Uh, Love actually, that dude. Yeah, he, he's a great dude, great coach. Um, but, I mean, obviously, Oklahoma State's kind of the, one of the dominant forces probably, yeah. if not, you know, the consensus greatest wrestling school yes. in in collegiate wrestling I think it history. Has the most national titles. Yeah, most national titles. I mean, not not as much lately. It's more of a Penn State thing lately. So, take us through kind of the recruitment process, what that was like, and the decision to end up at OU. Yeah, I I knew I was going to go back to Oklahoma. 
Uh, I just I wanted to wrestle in Oklahoma. Uh, I also, so I looked at OU, OSU, Minnesota. I had family in Minnesota, wanted to check them out. I always liked them. I actually called Iowa because I wanted to see what the all the hype was about. And uh, they they were like, no, nah, we got a 25. <laughs> okay. And not, we're not going to bring you in, not going to give you a chance, no. So I made sure to always beat up Iowa anytime I wrestled them. And so how did that go? Like, just we're skipping ahead a little bit, but how did that go whenever you would wrestle their uh, 25er? Yeah, I always, I always beat them in college. We never, we didn't wrestle them much though. I'd see them at national duels or at nationals. And that was it. Right. I think two and zero. Oh, I don't think I, I wrestled them much at all. Gotcha. So, so to kind of circle back, you know, I keep sending you on tangents. Yeah, it's all right. But like That's when you, you know, why did you kind of end on OU? Uh, so I really like the team. Uh, they they had more Christians. I'm very religious, and uh, they were less like clickish. Okay. Where where OSU was very clickish. I didn't even see some of the starters. Like I was in the a red shirt freshman was was the guy that was taking me around, and that's all I saw was other freshmen. And uh, also, I worked out at each school, and OU was the only school that I got beat up at. Okay. I beat the guy at OSU. I beat the guy at Minnesota. And I wanted to go where I was going to get beat up and get better. So that was a big part of it. Well, it seemingly worked out because you're a four-time All-American. Um, but I, similar to kind of what I talked about with Hardell, you know, one of the big things about Hardell's story is, you know, the fact that he was a national you know, finalist, but he was runner-up. Like he yeah. was, he got the silver medal, you know, yeah. as it were, you know, in terms of that. And so for you, you never actually won the whole shebang, yeah. right? So it's nothing to, to, you know, nothing to give somebody like, demerit or something like that I mean, you're a four-time all-american at, at a big-time school and that, that's a great thing but kind of take me through that process of like never actually getting through to the ultimate goal which was actually being a national champ yeah it, i felt like i should have won every year I, t- I took third as a freshman um lost in the last two seconds of the semis and that guy took the guy in the finals so i felt like i could win it every year um and you know i never never quite got over the hump ncaa is a tough tournament and uh, I did the same thing for world teams, Olympic teams. I took second five or six times, and that was a real uh, monkey on my back, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it was never a, a concern. I've always been confident. I, every year, I felt like I was going to go in and win. And uh, but at the same time, I'm, you know, it's in the back of your head like another second, another second. Like, how do I get over the hump? And I didn't feel like it was a mental, but I got to do something to get over the hump. And I actually did a year of uh, sports psychology. Uh, which I thought helped. It was not at all what I thought. I thought I was, you know, I don't know what I thought. All the things that come with psychology and, and seeing a psychiatrist. And uh, I met with the girl at OU, and she knew nothing about the sport, and it worked out great. She, why, why, why? And I, I remember one of the things, uh, I had it in my head there for probably a year and a half that I hated. I hated being ahead with, 20 seconds left. I felt like I lost way more when I was winning by a point than when I was losing by a point. And it's funny how the mind works because I know I can't tell a coach that, right? Yeah, They're going to sure. yell at yeah. you. And I, you're in your own head like, man, they won't understand. Like, it's for sure. Like, look at all these matches. And uh, I had myself convinced. Like, I would go after a guy with a minute left if I was up by one. And I'm either going to get up by three or give up a dumb takedown, be down by one, because my odds of winning go up. And on paper, I was probably right, but like you can't have that mindset, right? And, right. And so I told her that, and as soon as I said it out loud, it was like the spell was broken. I was like, man, that was 
why would I? Who would ever want to be losing with, with 20 seconds left? Like, it makes no sense. No one would ever say that. And, and immediately spell's broken, and I'm moving on. And then I started winning all those matches. Didn't stress me out being up by a point anymore. And right. now, I mean, who wouldn't want to be up a point? You know. Well, tell me a little bit more about that because I guess I've never really ran into somebody that you know was an athlete at that high of a level that admitted to going and speaking with a sports psychologist because it does seem a little woo-woo. It's like, oh, yeah. you, you got to go talk to a shrink so you can perform. But I got to be honest, even just for me, like with jujitsu, like the thought of competing, and I, I've competed quite a bit, not not nearly as much as I would have liked, just because you know injuries and timing and all that. But the the anxiety I get going into a tournament that is not on television that nobody's following on you know on the internet or something like that it's a tremendous amount of of anxiety that's created and and for me if i had to guess not being a psychologist it it all comes down to pride for me because it's like if i get beat that means he's better than me and i can't stand the idea of someone being better at me in anything that's why i stopped playing golf like 12 13 years ago because just the thought of not being really good at something was just it was crippling for me but for you you know I guess what was what kind of preceded the idea to go and do that? Was it a coach that sent you over there? Like, were you hesitant? Were you like, you know, re, you know, what what? Take us through that whole process, I guess. Yeah, you know, it was getting bigger. They were pushing a lot at OU, uh, and I was very hesitant for the, all the same reasons. But at the same time, like, I was tired of getting second, and if if it was going to help me win, like, what what would I do that's legal? to go win and if that means I got to go do an hour talking to somebody and it doesn't work I lost an hour once a week for whatever 20 weeks right but, but it paid it off works. pretty quick yeah it paid off that year I made the Olympic team and you know it uh it was good it was good I think it worked better because she knew nothing about the sport I think okay. had she known it wouldn't have worked as well because I talked with coaches and we're, we're kind of on the same page where her I had to explain stuff and I don't know. It kind of bubbled out, I guess. Right. Kind of some of the silly stuff that when explain it to somebody, it just doesn't make sense. And right. You know, I probably could have done the same thing with the buddy with the beer. You know, uh, it's one of my favorite lines of. Uh, oh my goodness, I'm gonna forget the name of the movie. Uh, That's a knife. This is a knife. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, and she's a psychiatrist, and he's like, ah, oh, do they not have any mates? Right, and, which I think is pretty spot on. Like you got your foxhole group that should should take care of everything, and uh, in this situation, all my my buddies, you know, they all knew wrestling, and I needed mm-hmm. to talk to someone that didn't know wrestling. And well, that's interesting because I was just listening to a podcast here recently uh, where he was talking to a guy that was doing a survey about you know friendless American males and things like that, which obviously is something I've talked about a lot. That's why sure. I did the you know how to build a godly and manly foxhole series. But they talked about how modern men are going to their spouses more than they're going to friends whenever they have a major life issue, which is not in and of itself a negative thing necessarily. But as you know, and as most of you listeners know that are guys, there are just certain things that women just will never understand, and it's because of wiring. Because believe it or not, breaking news there are differences between the sexes and that's kind of one of the things that that's interesting is you probably or maybe could have figured it out with another buddy or a mate or something like that but you know being able to talk to that neutral third party that that's not really worried about the x's and o's of what you need to do or the technicalities of finishing a double leg this way versus that way i think it it kind of removes them enough from your situation and guess what they're not expecting a thank you note if you make the olympic team like they're just there to talk to you they're there to help in whatever way they can but i can see that and i don't 
don't know if that it was like that for you. I could see that a lot of guys would not want to do that because that would show that they're mentally weak, right? right. I got to go talk to a shrink so I can perform in sports. But I guess you never really had that that mindset that that was kind of like a, a mentally weak thing to do. Yeah, I it, yeah, I never had that mindset. I, I was anxious like anybody. Like I don't know, this is this going to be a waste of time? But that was easily overrun by. If it's going to help me win, it's worth it. If it doesn't, it's an hour. Right. So uh, you mentioned, you know, wanting to be an Olympian and making the Olympic team, but kind of take me through that process. Okay, you're a collegiate wrestler, and for most of the listeners, they don't really know kind of the process of, okay, how do you go from being like a high school wrestler to a collegiate wrestler to, you know, an Olympic-level wrestler or like a, you know, national or international-level wrestler? So kind of take us through that whole process because, again, you know, when you're in high school or whatever, it's still just a goal. Like you're not an Olympian automatically. And so kind of take us through how you kind of were put on the radar for the Olympic team and kind of what that whole process was like. Sure. I, I loved it. I was real fortunate. Like I said, my dad was an Olympian, so I was I was right into that, that path. Uh, the Navy team, when we were in Florida, I lived in Pensacola, and the Navy team trained there, the Greco Navy team. Rob Herman was the coach, and so I would go up and work out with them all the time. And I went to my first U.S. Open the summer after my senior year of high school, took, took fifth in the U.S., and so right away I was, now I'm on everybody's radar and got in with the club. And... Uh, did Greco through 2009 and then switched over to freestyle and made a made a freestyle Olympic team and so I, I was always on the radar and and you asked earlier I'm trying to remember what you asked but it was different back in the day we didn't have the internet and YouTube and and Twitter and flow wrestling and so people didn't know you knew about your state and you had that one big national tournament where you kind of get to see who the best kids are but even then it's hard to tell he could be sick that day and he was really good in high school and so people tended to go to their favorite college you know that's where you went i went to oklahoma that's florida didn't have a college wrestling team oklahoma did i loved oklahoma so i went to oklahoma iowa kids go to iowa pennsylvania kids pennsylvania you know and and now it's not that way most mm-hmm. of the guys on a team aren't from that state and so it's changed a little bit and you know the the internet's helped wrestling it's making it evolve way faster uh, especially at the youth level. It's crazy how good little kids are nowadays. Well, they would kick my butt. Well, and I look at kids now, like we have some kids at the Forge here. I talk about the Forge a lot on this podcast, so that's our jujitsu. As you should. Right, as I should. But these are kids that from the age of five or six, they are wrestling and doing jujitsu. And I roll with some of these kids that are like, you know, 14, 15, 16, like they're getting into high school. And I'm like, holy crap. If I wasn't physically stronger and better than them, this would be a problem because it's like, you know, I've been training jujitsu for four years, but they've been marinating yes. in grappling arts since they were a little kid. And, and as you know, like as you do a sport as a young kid, your body develops for that sport. So you'll walk up to somebody that's like a gym bro, super jacked, and they grab you by the wrist and you can easily just get your wrist away. But then a wrestler that's been grabbing wrists their entire life or a jiu-jitsu guy that's been snatching necks their entire life it's a different level of grip strength like yes. people don't really fully understand that so like that that's crazy because you're experiencing this now as a coach and obviously you have a son that wrestles and you, you kind of been around the kind of the youth wrestling the revolution is going to be insane I, I can't imagine what we're going to be watching same thing with mma like all these kids like think about it like you know for chel Sonnen and randy couture and you know some of some of those more early guys they were a thing and then they added the other stuff so they wrestled their whole life and then they had to learn how to box and do everything else kids from a very early age are training all of it they're yes. doing muay thai and western boxing and kickboxing and jiu-jitsu and wrestling and so like 
I guess for you, does that does that make you feel like a little bit like kind of a crotchety old man? Like, I want to go back to the old days where everybody went to their same state? Or it, does that ex- excite you about the sport? I love it about the sport. Uh, and I'm also the, the crotchety old guy. Like, back in my day, we were yeah. tougher. That's right. Ah, we, we Every previous that. generation was tougher and smarter. Yeah, I get now. Yeah. I get now why they said it. You know, you, like, you can't go on technique new generation is going to be better so you have to be like we were tougher yeah you know uh, that's kind of how we it goes. cut weight uphill both ways of course of course uh now kind of getting back in, into the olympic stuff so you talked about greco and freestyle now you made the olympic team as both correct like I, at different times i made the olympic team in freestyle and i made a world team in greco okay so i guess for you well i guess first of all let, let's kind of back up because i'm assuming sure. people know all these things so explain just kind of the fundamental differences between freestyle and greco for our listeners and then kind of go ahead and flow into you know why did you choose freestyle this time and then move into greco Perfect. that time yeah so uh greco is just upper body no foot sweeps no shooting on legs um it's like the traditional style from from back in the day although who knows they maybe grab legs but right back in the day the stance was standing straight up so it's kind of considered greco and freestyle is a lot more uh, it's a lot closer to what we do in the u.s uh folk style collegiate style it's it's a lot similar to uh, folk style. Okay, so then for you as you're competing, because what was the age that you were when you made your last Olympic team? Twenty nine. Twenty nine, and then as as a world team competitor, you at the age of thirty six. Thirty yeah, thirty five, thirty six. Okay, thirty five, thirty six. So you were competing at a high level for a very very long time. Well, and let's maybe talk a little bit about that. But like, you know, for you, take us through kind of what it. Here, I can't exactly figure out what I would do. So we'll start here, and then we'll go back to the Olympic career. Let's talk about you know competing at a high level at kind of a elderly age. Sure. Because at the age of 35, 36, that is like aged for a wrestler. Yes. But you made the World Greco team at that age, correct? Yes. So w- is that easier if you're older to kind of do Greco because there's not as much shooting? there? I guess there's not as much wear and tear because you're not dealing with the lower part of the body and having to fight hips and that kind of thing. But kind of take us through what it was like being a competitor that was that old. Yeah, uh, you're a lot wiser. You know, you hear every coach say it, like, if, if I knew now, back then. And, right. Uh, so I was a lot wiser about how I went out, went about things. Uh, the biggest thing I notice is recovery is a lot slower. Just the injuries take longer to heal. Uh, a hard practice, it takes longer to get my body back where I can do another hard practice. So I, I had to be a, a lot more wise about my workout schedule knowing when to stop listening to my body and but at the same time not being like a wimp you know not just taking it off because i'm a little sore uh and that's hard to get somebody to tell you that because there's not a lot of guys that that go that old so that was the that was the struggle the wrestling i know i know i know how to wrestle you know i got to keep getting better but i know wrestling so i didn't spend as much time on technique uh as much as i did strategy and just making sure I was in shape and healthy uh that was that was the yeah the struggle with doing it older um the longevity just you hit it real quick so I'm gonna I, I listened to uh, I think you you posted it maybe you're the one that turned me on to it uh an interesting and they were talking about what is what is an expert is it the guy that wins Olympics once mm-hmm. and never comes back or the guy that makes four Olympic teams never wins it but you know he's is he a master and I thought that was real interesting, and uh, I liked it because it gave me a chance to be a master. Yeah, I, I've been right. around a long time, done this, but I think it's because 
my dad uh, didn't have that same Iowa mindset. We didn't cut a lot of weight. He wasn't a big fan of cutting weight, and we're seeing that now. A lot of the, the best guys don't cut a whole bunch of weight anymore. Uh, it's still around. It's still prevalent, but uh, I never cut a lot of weight, and I think that saved my body, uh, allowed me to have that longevity, and just wrestling smart, being smarter about it, okay. being, being willing to take a day off if I needed it off, uh, but also pushing myself in practice, right? I don't, if I'm going to do the practice, I'm going to be the hardest worker in there. Right. And, and allow myself to have a day off. I don't, I don't go halfway through a practice. It's either I'm the hardest worker in there or I'm taking the day off. Right. All right. I'm going to take us on another tangent. Yes, and we're just going to have to embrace that for tangents for this podcast. So if it's driving you nuts, you type A people, I get it. I completely understand, but we'll get back blame to me. Yeah, exactly. Blame Sam. Yeah. Blame, blame Sam. But at the same time, Let's let's circle back to your sure, Olympic sure, sure. career, but I do want to talk about the concept of weight cutting, especially for kids, um, because we hear a lot about weight cutting in MMA because we're seeing some of these dangerous weight cuts where you know people are being yeah. carried to the scale and they're you know they're passing out on the scale even, and the UFC, which is the the biggest MMA organization, they're not really they haven't had anyone die from a weight cut or complications from a weight cut, but that has happened in MMA. You don't see that in boxing. Um, you know, collegiately, I think there was that one summer where like three different yeah. collegiate wrestlers died from weight cutting or you know, yep. dehydration related things and then automatically the NCAA said nope and yes, we're getting rid of that and so they do basically do like a hydration test and tell these these athletes here's the lowest weight class that will allow you to compete at is that kind of how it goes for for collegiate wrestling now yes okay it, it, it's a kind of silly test because I have guys that are way overweight that'll yeah. fail a hydration yeah. and I'll have guys that cutting a whole bunch of weight but do it right and yeah. it says they can lose 20 more pounds and they can't. Yeah, it's seemingly, it's not a perfect test, but it's better. They haven't had any issues with it since then. But let, can I talk through that? Because I've literally witnessed, you know, dads running kids yes. before tournaments. I mean, we're talking kids, like nine, 10 year old kids and having them cut weight. And these are kids whose body obviously are still developing at yes. an extreme degree. So for you personally, what is your kind of personal approach and mindset when it comes to weight cutting for adults, but then especially for youth? Yeah, my, I, I got a, again, my dad, it's what he, he kind of did. And I, I think it makes sense that whatever you lose in a normal practice. So if I lose four pounds in a practice, I won't do more than like two practices worth. So eight pounds is the most I'm going to cut. Okay. Now that may mean I get my fighting weight down where I'm practicing at this weight so I can make eight pounds or, or it just may mean I don't. I mean, if the weight's 25, 33, I weigh 34, I could go 25. But if I weigh 35, I'm probably going to go 33. Okay. I'm outside of that that eight pounds. And, uh, you know, for a kid, it might be a pound of practice. And I, I think a kid cutting two pounds is okay. I, th I think that's – it teaches them you've got to be smart. Don't eat the dessert. If you're right. smart, you if you're smart, you teach the kid how to do it right. He's learning some self-control, self-discipline, and it's, it's not hurting him, mm -hmm. right? But – Beyond that, especially kids, I don't, I don't like it. As an adult, you can make up your own mind. If that's how you got to win, and I get it. I still don't like it, but I get it. Right. Uh, I want to make an Olympic team. The only way I can do it is cut down to this weight, and that means I don't work out. All I do is cut weight. Hey, man, not everybody makes an Olympic team, uh, and that's your choice as an adult. But, yeah, the kids, I don't like it. I, I'd, rather, I'd rather see – bump up keep it fun wrestling's tough enough right you don't need to add to add anything to wrestling to make it tough 
Well, and focus, focus on the fundamentals, which, you know, I have much more of a baseball background. And so, you know, when I talked to, I had someone reach out to me recently asking me about a, you know, coaching for their kid that's trying to get into baseball. And probably the best advice that I gave them, aside from just the general, general advice of they're not going to make the major leagues this year, they're eight, like right. let's not put too much you know, pressure on them. Yeah. But the second thing was, is like, if they get asked to pitch, when I watch the Little League World Series every year, I see these kids throwing these curveballs and these sliders yeah. and putting on. And you know, there's there's a lot of debate as to whether or not that actually affects the elbow and affects the shoulder. But when you see all these pitchers that were throwing junk from an early age getting Tommy John in the major leagues, you can't say that there's no correlation. But I'm I tell them I'm like, look, focus on being able to throw a strike, throw a four seam fastball for a strike, because you can you can make it to the minor leagues. You can be a professional baseball player with two pitches. A four-seam fastball and a changeup. And is if you know where it's going and you can, you know, live on the outside parts of the plate and different things like that, the outside parts of the strike zone, that's gonna be way better than being like ten years old trying to throw the world's best curveball. It's like it doesn't make as much sense. Just throw strikes. And so I would see that kind of being a corollary for wrestling to where it's like, I understand this kid might be physically bigger than you, but there were guys that were physically smaller than me in the in the short time that I wrestled in high school that just, you know, rolled me up like a pretzel. And it was because they were superior at wrestling, right? Yes. Like they, they were a better wrestler. All of their angles were better. All their technique was better. And so I think that's an important thing. And I'm, I'm glad you kind of said that. But I, I do like what you said about, you know, maintaining a little bit of that discipline. Like, hey, we're not going to get ice cream tonight because we got a tournament coming up and those types of things. And so you're keeping it in the back of their mind without, you know, risking their health down the road. Yeah. The only pushback I'll give is, uh, I don't know about other sports, but wrestling, like, I'll take the tough kid over the technical kid any day because you can teach technique. It's really hard to teach toughness. And you almost have to do it from, you know, first grade through through high school because they're not – it's rare that you see a kid all of a sudden they get tough in college. It can happen, mm-hmm. but but it's rare. You know, it, that's a quality that's really hard to teach, and that would be my only pushback. Right, I'm, I'm still. I well, think how there's you, other ways to be tough than just cutting weight, but right. But how would you evaluate toughness then? So, like, so let's say there are wrestling coaches listening to this, which I'm sure there are. You know, how do you evaluate that tough kid? Because I, I would tend to agree with you because I was never the best athlete on on the team. I was the the most right. grinder of an athlete. I was yes. the guy that worked the hardest at practice. And so, how do you evaluate that in a in a healthy way as a coach? It's really really hard. Okay. And and. I think the easiest way is seeing them in practice. That's where you can tell a lot more. Uh, tournaments, it's it's more you're seeing not necessarily the toughness as you are like who's got that ability to like to close out, to find a way to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see a little bit of toughness. They just stay in a match and grind and grind. But practice is where you can really see it. Uh, which it's getting harder for college coaches to go to a practice and watch. They're making more and more rules and making it tougher and. And it's more your, at least in wrestling, we have to lean on the, the youth coaches, the high school coaches. Is the kid tough? Is, you know, and, and most coaches know to tell the truth. Like, if I lie to this college coach, he's not going to listen to me again, you know. Yeah. And so they'll usually shoot you pretty straight, you know. Okay. And, and so that's, at least that's what I'm finding. That's how I have to do it. Uh, and I'm still young to coaching. I'm still new to coaching. Cool. And, and we'll get more into kind of your coaching and your philosophy that you're developing and all that. But I do want to get back uh, before I segue to another thing sure. about your Olympic career. So take me through the process, because I'm assuming the overwhelming majority of the people listening to this, yours truly included, 
have never been an Olympian, sure. right? So we've never had that that satisfaction of making an Olympic team, wearing the rings, wearing the flag, and representing the country in any type of a formal, professional way. So take us through kind of the story of you actually making your first Olympic team and kind of that, that whole process of leading up to becoming an Olympian, going to the Olympics, kind of that whole thing, just fire away. Sure. So I, I tried out for my first Olympic team in 04, uh, and in wrestling, only the number one guy goes. No, nobody else. Number two guy, if one gets hurt, two gets to go, but two doesn't go to the Olympics. They don't get to wrestle. Uh, so that makes it tough, you know, only one guy. It's a lot of sports, top two can go. Uh, some sports, top three, and so on. But only number one. So 04 is my first Olympic trials, and I lost in the semis to Dennis Hall, who was an Olympian upperweight, world champ. He dropped down, and I lost four to two or three to two. And uh he was way bigger i was still small then i wasn't ready for the weight yet but that match i lost and i still consider it one of my best matches ever that was when i knew i'm like i'm there this guy was a world champ up weight and i i only lost four two like i can do this uh but anyway took third there um and then tried again in 08 so that's my second olympic trials made to the finals uh lost so i was alternate for 2008 olympics in in beijing and then we get to 2012. This is my third Olympic trials now. So that's a lot of years into it. And uh, make it to the finals. And I'm against Nick Simmons, who beat me the year before for the world team. We did a best of three matches. I won the first. He won the second and third match. He goes to the Olympic team, or uh, world team. So now, Olympic year, he wins the first match. He's only got to win one more, you know. And uh, this time I win the next two matches and I make the Olympic team. And uh, it was awesome. It, it, yeah, you can't put it in words. Like all that, all that. I'm going to make you put time. it in words. Yeah, yeah okay. it's I mean, hard. put it into words. Like you, from an early age, you wanted to be an Olympian, and then you were down a match, and I mean to wrestle back and win those last two. I mean to become an Olympian. Like I'm do it. Like give yeah. me the words. It, no, it, it's it's that's why it's hard. I'm going to mumble around every time I talk about it. It's, there's a lot of ums and 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 and. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it was fun though. Lost the first match, won the second. Was winning the third. I had the only takedown, but back then they did a, uh, you know, yeah, the coin flip, and they did a ball grab, which was one really weird thing wrestling did. Uh, in the stands, you know, people were like, blue ball, come on, pick the blue ball. <laughs> okay. Reach, reach in the sack and get the blue ball. It was, it was really weird, but sure enough, they, you know, they grabbed the blue ball. So I, I get to start with the leg. The overtime was one guy starts with like a single leg or a high crotch or whatever shot. You got 30 seconds, you finish, you win. If you don't, the other guy wins. And, uh, 90% of the time, the guy that gets the leg wins. So I, I get to start with the leg. I'm running him toward the edge, and you can watch it on video. Like, I just slip, like, just sweat spot something and lands flat on my belly. And uh, that's where that toughness came in. And I ran my feet and somehow finished with, I don't know, a half second left. And so I make the Olympic team. And, yeah, a lot of energy bubbled out. Uh, I went from extremely tired to jumping all over the place you know and it i'm not an emotional guy uh, i was actually talking about this with nate tomsello one of our wrestlers uh who's third for the olympic team this year uh just how like in college i never really got excited third like i felt like i should have won i win the u.s open that's what you're supposed to do you know act like you've been there before right uh how i i on the one hand i i think you got to have that mindset to a degree 
the guys that aim for a national title become All-Americans. The guys that want to be an All-American, if maybe, they fall maybe, short, maybe they don't. Not, yeah. yeah. So uh, that was one of the few times I had a lot of emotion, and I think I wish I would have taken in other wins more. If, if It's not really a regret, but I wish I would have, you know. And that's one where... Like, I'd finally reached the goal. That was a big goal for me and something I've been wanting to do my whole life. And my dad was there, and it was 40 years since he made his Olympic team. And so it was a really a really cool moment. Uh, we were the only father-son in, in USA Wrestling to be Olympians. And uh, I guess that makes my mom the only mom-wife. There you go. You know? That's yeah. right. Yeah. So uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, and I made the team. And, and then you enjoy that night, and then it's back to work. Now – it took me 12 years of trying, like, specifically to make an Olympic team. You know, I'd been doing it my whole life, but 12 years to make the team. Now I, I got one shot at the Olympics, right? I got to go, and I instead of just the best guys in the country, it's right. the best guys in the world. And, and how old are you at this point? You're late tw 20s? 20, yeah, 28, 29, okay. something like that. And, and, and so how long of a gap is there between the Olympic trials and the Olympics at that point? So for wrestling, it's not very long. Because injuries is a real deal. Some mm -hmm. sports know a year out. We we know like three months out. You know that night you're buying flights. You're trying to get a flight. You're trying to get hotels because most of them are already taken for the sure. Olympics. You know. So uh, yeah, we find out about three months out. We do a couple world team or Olympic team camps, and then we we head over to the Olympics. Uh, so it was one day of fun, enjoy it, or one night really, and back to training. Right. Got to get ready for the world now. Okay, so that was uh, that was 2012, and so that's London? London. London Olympics. And so, okay, so tell us about the process, because obviously I'm assuming the training was hard and, and difficult. Yes. Well, you know, I was going to kind of skip over that. You know, one quick thing before we go sure. into I want to hear about your Olympic experience, you know, flying over there, you yeah. know, opening ceremonies and all that. But what is the difference between training to wrestle guys that you might be, you know, training with all the time versus how you're preparing to wrestle someone from Iran or Cuba or somewhere else? So when I first started, I, I'm training for the world, and if I train for the world, I beat the Americans. Right, right? Like yeah, we yeah. were just saying sure. earlier, and it didn't work out too well. Okay. Uh, so when I made the Olympic team, I trained for the Olympic guys. I studied up on them. I made sure I had my game plans, everything ready. I make the Olympic team, and now I switch over to the, the world-level guys. You know, the, and a lot of them I've wrestled because you travel all over the world wrestling. You get mm -hmm. the experience. So I know a lot of them, but I'm making sure I know everybody because – you know, within a couple of weeks of us making our Olympic team, you know everybody that's going to be on the Olympic teams for each country. So you can go watch film and get ready for them. Uh, but what I learned, uh, especially in that Olympics, maybe just before it, but after that for sure, was I got to worry about me. Like if I'm – I got to know – train my stuff. Like I, if, if I'm worried about them, I'm wrestling their match. You know, whoever controls the ties controls the match. And if if – I know I should know he's got a I'm wrestling Jordan Burroughs. I should know he has a good double. Right. If I don't go yeah. into it knowing that, I'm yeah. in trouble. But if I go in that match, like if he shoots double, I'm gonna do this. If you know, I'm gonna make sure I stay low and I'm gonna make sure I, I stay away from this and I'm already wrestling his match. Like he's right. wrestled people that have done that. He's wrestled guys that won't let him shoot a double. He has an answer. And so I have to be able to wrestle my match while being aware of whatever it is he's best at. Okay. And the guys that are our best, the Jordan Burroughs, the guys that beat everybody in the world, force them to wrestle his style. You know, he's getting his double leg. Mm -hmm. They're not stopping it, you know. And and that's really the trick uh, for the to be that highest. You force people to do what you want them to do. Okay, very good. So you're an Olympian. 
You're I'm flying over to London? And yeah, we got to go on a private jet. We're one of the only teams that did that. Our team leader uh, paid for us to have fr- a private jet. Uh, shout out to Novogratz. He's out in New York doing Bitcoin stuff. And okay. Yeah, yeah. He was, a good, he was a good team leader, though. He took care of us. And so we got to fly over a private jet, uh, which was awesome. But at the same time, it was kind of – we're wrestlers. We're not – you know, we're not yeah. – you don't need pro athletes, yeah. and and we're cutting weight. And you got this fancy jet, and they got all this food out there, like sitting out, and we're all just <laughs> no. like, this is terrible. Like, right. just give us each twenty thousand, because whatever it costs, hundred thousand to send us over, and we'll just take a normal flight, like like that's right. what we're used to. But uh, it was an experience, you know. At at the time, we would love to have that money, but it was an experience. I got to fly over first class, you know, a thirteen hour flight's all of a sudden eleven hours, and it's and it's done like that, you know. So. That was a lot of fun, but we're the only team that got to do that. We get there. They tell us uh, we're not going to do the opening ceremonies. we got to go train and cut weight. And all the guys on the team are like, no, no, <laughs> yeah. we're going to we, – we trained our whole life for this. And, you know, uh, the guy that's made – it's like on his third team is like, well, we don't have to go, you know. And like, no, we're no, going. Yeah, we're going, man. Come on. Uh, so we, we, we get to do that. We stay at the Olympic Village, which is surreal. That's awesome. You know, you feel like a – like you're one of the gods, like a Greek god. It's Olympic Village, you know. Everybody's young, athletic, good looking, and then you got like servants walking around, like it's gonna rain today. Here's an umbrella with Olympic rings, you know. Here you go. Right. Like, wow, thanks. I'll take three. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that, that's just that's kind of surreal. Although what was crazy, so they had the Olympic court, like the food court, and you have each country. So you can this is what Africa eats, this is what Asia eats, this is what. And so you can try whatever food. And then over in the corner, you got a McDonald's because they're a big sponsor, you know. Right. And every day, the, the line for McDonald's was so long. <laughs> and I'm, like, scratching my head like, this is the Olympics. Right. Like, don't we you can get well? anything, yeah. What do you – how do you guys do this? Like, we've got to compete. Hey, go ahead and grab me an egg McMuffin. Right, exactly. So that was, that was odd to me. But uh, – we go, we, we get to do the opening ceremonies, and, you know, we're United States, so we're like the last team in there. Uh, so it's four hours walking down this path toward the stadium, and you're hearing the crowd just crazy. And uh, you're pumped, and you're pumped, and then you're kind of like, oh, it's taking forever. And, like, there's no way they're going to be cheering by the time we get in there. Four hours that, my voice is done. Nobody likes America anyway. Right. Uh, we went in, and that was, that was up there, like, top five experience of my life, walking in that stadium and everybody's cheering so loud and it, that was very surreal and and awesome and we're trying to video and you're trying to take it in but you're trying to video it so you have it on video and it was surreal i i feel bad for the olympians this year that don't get to enjoy that the same way yeah the opening ceremony was weird like yeah. empty stadium and they tried the japanese I'm, tried to do everything i'm they could, glad but. they did it like i'd rather have the olympics than than not uh, and I'm glad they let some people in there. You know, that one section had, had people. But uh, I feel for them because that was, yeah, might have been the best experience of, of the Olympics right. was walking in there. It was awesome. Well, and a lot of times the commentators during the opening ceremonies, they point this out, which is exactly true. A lot of these people, that is their Olympic moment is yes. the opening ceremony. Because, like, you know, we, we spend a lot of time focusing on the gold medalists and, you know, yes. Michael Phelps with eight gold medals. And, oh, look at Usain Bolton. We, we focus on those people. But there's a lot of people on the U.S. team and the Jamaican team and every other team that, that that's it. And yeah. you have these, like, super, super tiny countries that have, like, four yeah. or one yeah olympian and it's like that's their moment that's the last time we're going to hear that person's name so you got to experience that you got to go through and kind of see all that but now kind of take me through the mindset shift of okay 
that's done. Video's been recorded. You know, you've worn your yep. Ralph, Lola, yeah. Ralph Lauren Polo USA stuff. You got all your stuff. You're swagged out. But now it's time to get down to business. So take take me through kind of the training time. How long was it after the you know that opening ceremony before you had your match? And kind of take us through what the competition sure. was like for you. Yeah, it was. Uh, so we get done the next morning. We flew out to Serbia, uh, out in the middle of nowhere in Serbia to train, uh, which is good. You know, it, it's easier to get your mind right. Uh, being at the Olympic Village, we're wrestlers. We could do it. We face adversity. We're cutting weight. Like it, it wouldn't have been terribly difficult, but it would have been harder. You know, you want to go see the sights. You want to go do the stuff. So we went to Serbia. It was us, uh, India. I think maybe Germany. Maybe one other team. So there's four teams that are training and and just trying to get away. And uh, you're really at that point. Energy's not an issue. You're not worried about being out of shape. You know, you're in great shape and the. The amount of energy that, that you have just for being the experience is enough, you know. So it's more sharpening your skills, getting your weight just right where you need it so you feel the best and without feeling small or, you know, right. being, being waterlogged. And so it's very, you know, you're just dialing in there. Um, and that was, it was quick, you know. It's hard to remember what all that was like. It was, it was, it was monotonous. It was same stuff every day, just just focusing in, and normally that'd be rough. It wasn't rough at all. Like you're, you're getting ready for the what you've been training your whole life for. Uh, so then we fly back, and we get there maybe two days for and, and wrestling's the last three days of the Olympics, or at least it was in twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrestled the second to last day. So the bummer thing was we didn't get to enjoy the Olympic Village. You know, we never really we were there that first day, enjoyed it, didn't get to enjoy it the rest of the time, uh, which I'm all right with. Okay, the Olympic team. I'm all right with that. Yeah. So uh, we show up the day before, and now you're in your, your last day of weight cut. So you're pretty much in your room or in the sauna, you know. And uh, then we go wrestle, make weight and wrestle. And and that was intense. Uh, it was kind of a bummer because in the U.S., you get to wrestle on the backside of a bracket, come back and get third. Uh for international, you only get to wrestle for third if the guy you lose to uh, goes to the finals. So, like, I lost first round to a guy, um, and he lost in the semis to the eventual champ, and so he gets to go for third, I don't. Uh, like, two months later, he bumped up a weight and beat our guy that won bronze in the Olympics. I'm just like, man, I was I was right there, but eh, I, I wasn't. Right. I needed to win it. Uh, the other thing was that ball grab. So a normal wrestling match, six, seven minutes. It was back then, it was three two-minute periods, and you just got to win two of the three periods. So I was done in four minutes. He won the first period. Second period, he played all defense because uh, the ball grab, you got a 50-50. Mm-hmm. And then you play defense again the next period, and you have a, you have a better chance at it being your ball. So you're, you're going to win. And he played defense. He won the ball grab. And that was it. It was over. So that, that was a bummer. You know, it, it's, it was over quick, four minutes like that. The dream's done. You're hoping that guy does good, you know, and you're kind of – you don't want him to do good because he's the one to beat you, but yeah, you want yeah, him to do good, right. so you get pulled yeah. in. And uh, But I was the same day as Jordan Burroughs, and he won the Olympic gold. That And so that it, it was still fun. Like, it was, a, it was a great experience. But to what you were saying, there's, what, 300 events? So if you want to call it 300 gold medals, and I know some are teams. Yeah, yeah, more, sure. Let's call it 300 gold medals. There's 10,000 athletes, you know, and, and most of them are going home without a medal. And even the ones – you win silver, like – you enjoy that later. Like at the moment, you were so close to right. what you wanted. Like you're not, 
It's always weird that the bronze medalist it. seems way more excited than the silver. Yes. Like, and almost across the board. Yeah, you get to finish with a win. Right. Like, the other guy's finishing on a loss. Uh, right. That's, that's rough. Uh, that's why uh, in wrestling we have, and, and probably other sports, but we have a true second sometimes where if the third and second didn't meet, they get to wrestle for the true second. And that's, man, that's like the toughest match in wrestling. I should have won, and now right. I got to go. And like, right. what does it matter? Second, third, what does it matter? It's a that's a rough, a, a rough match, and I flip flop on that. Right. Sometimes I like it because it's very wrestling. It's very like face yeah. adversity, and at the other, I've been on the other end of it too. And like, that's the last thing you want to do is go wrestle. Right. Well, so. let me actually, you know, before we move on and talk about this year's, you know, Olympic wrestling and sure. kind of all the stuff that goes along with that, you you trained your entire life. You trained literally decades to become an Olympian and your actual physical athletic Olympic moment didn't last very long. No. So you said it was a bummer. You said that multiple times, but I do want to press you a little bit more sure. to a guy like me, right. Who's, who's never competed at that level in anything. Th- that seems crazy. Like, cause you have to sacrifice so much, so much time with friends, so many Doritos, like, so like so yeah. many things to get to that moment. And then it didn't work out the way that you wanted to. But now you're you're several years past that, yep. right? Like it's been a long time since then, almost a decade since then. How have you kind of internalized what happened there? Like talk to me a little bit more about that realization that that was it. That was probably my one shot. Yeah, I, it's, it hadn't bothered me much. Like NCAs bothers me way more. I felt like I okay. should have won NCAs. Uh, Olympics I knew was going to be tough, you know, and, and – he wins the ball grab. I win the ball grab. I think I win the match. I had him tired. Like, I had him mm-hmm. exhausted, and I felt like I was in a good spot to win it. And So, it, I don't know. It didn't – it bothers me in that, man, I, I think I could have went and won it. Like, I think I could – like I said, I'm confident. I feel like I could beat everybody in the world that year. I'd wrestled most of them. Uh, I was, like, 50-50 with them. And, but at the same time, I've, like – that's part of the sport, man. It's it's part it's part of the Olympic experience and uh, competing at that level. Like it's a ball grab, it's a bad call, it's the guy that woke up on the wrong side of the bed. It, it's all the more impressive. Those guys that repeat at the Olympics and go years being undefeated is incredible. Their their mastery of the sport is unreal. Because I like to think I'm one of the best in the world. I could I could beat anybody on the right day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those guys to do it continually is unreal. Which, speaking of that, uh, Krellen, you know, lost to, um, oh my goodness, Rulon Gardner, Gardner going yeah. for his fourth. And yeah. we got, there's a Cuban going for his fourth. Right. Uh, and he's the heavy favorite to, heavy to favorite. win his fourth. Yeah. I can't imagine. The only way he loses is if somebody buys him out for a ridiculous <laughs> amount of money. Certainly possible, but I, I would assume that oh, he's yeah. probably going to leave uh, leave with another gold. Man, they don't make much money there. And with everything going on in Cuba, I, I would imagine there's a price that he would take. Uh, I don't think he will either, but there is certainly a price he would take. Right. Well, before we get off the Olympic subject and kind of move in, well, we're going to stay on the Olympic subject, sure. but before we get off your Olympic experience, I want to know just a couple of quick questions. So first one is, what are the best and worst things about being an Olympian? Uh, the worst, you miss out on a lot of stuff. I never went skiing. I never did snowboard. I I skipped all that. I knew it was kind of unsafe for the knees and just not smart, and I'll do it when I'm done. Right. So you miss stuff like that. Uh, I actually listened to a radio host the other day. He was like, that kid is 19. He won the Olympic. He said it was like his lifelong dream came true. He's like, he's 19. (laughs) What Uh, life? Yeah, it was funny in two degrees, right? But, man, yeah, you give up on a lot of stuff that other kids are going and doing. You know, you're doing the practices. Like, those girls in gymnastics, they're 
seven hour days, eight hour days, every day. It, crazy what they go through and uh, wrestling, it's crazy too, but it's so hard of a sport. If you do a four hour day, man, that's a long That's a lot of wrestling. Day. Yeah, you're like two practices, four hours, you're probably only doing one the next day. That's a long day. So it, we don't have the same time. We have more body issues and it is still time consuming. But like my brother was trained for an Ironman, put way more hours in than I did. Yeah. And, uh, way more hours. He had 5 a.m.s all the time. I'd be like, well, I'm going to sleep till 7. Yeah, no kidding. We got to like, practice that. You age. enjoy that, man. Yeah. So uh, I don't even remember the question. Well, it was just like, what are, what's the best and worst things about being an Olympian? So it, that's the worst. That's the worst. Yeah. The, the, the best is, it, you know, you accomplished your dream. That was, yes. It was something big that not very many people do. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I take a lot of pride in that, uh, that, that I accomplished it. And, and I feel like my dad's system that he set up, that he made an Olympic team, it works. Because there's a lot of guys that they have their system and their kids don't make it. And, and that may not be the reason why. Like, right. It's just hard to make an Olympic team. But uh, I felt like that, that proved there's something to the system that we use. And just a, a lot of pride in that, a lot of pride in the family name. And, and wrestling, I do camps now and kids have no idea who I am. I'll go do a camp. They have no clue. They don't. He's an Olympian. Who? Yeah. Hey, he's Winkles. That fake fake Dumb name. Kids. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So there's not a lot of that in wrestling. You know, people don't know who you are. Jordan Burroughs. People know who he is. There's about three or four guys in U.S. wrestling that are common names. People know. Uh, that's it. You know. And I, and I can't name guys on Olympic teams from two Olympics ago. Yeah. Three Olympics. It's hard. Ago. Yeah. It. It's just kind of the part of the sport, and I'm all right with that. I'm. I wouldn't change it for anything. All right. Maybe so, golf. Yeah, maybe, maybe golf. If I'd we, win we don't four like U.S. Golf. Opens and golf, I'd be, yeah, I'd be yeah. doing all right. Maybe a little bit different. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, exactly. What a loser. All right, <laughs> what is the biggest misconception about being an Olympian? Uh, ooh, I have no idea. I'd have to think about that. I don't know if I've ever thought about that before. I know when I hear it, I'm like, ah, oh, that's not true at all. I'll tell you one. Everybody thinks it's an orgy over there. Uh, right, and Olympic Village. That was Olympic the first thing Village. you mentioned. The Olympic Village. I was like, oh yeah, that's just like STD factory. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, that's right. What everybody says, you know, that's what they think. I didn't see it, which I'm not in those circles. Uh, you also said you weren't there for very long. I wasn't right? there for so very you long. missed out on all. So the it could have happened, but I will say, I mentioned earlier, the umbrella had the Olympic rings, so everything they give you has Olympic rings on it. And we hear, hey, they don't have the, like the medical. They got condoms and they got the Olympic rings. And Is that for real? That yeah. We and so they're like, Sam. Go get them. You're married. Like, you go get them. I'm like, done. This is like the best dirty Santa gift ever. Like, I don't want to con them. Oh, cool. It's got Olympic rings. All right. That's actually a cool gift. So I go down, and, and I'm like, hey, there's the bowl with all the condoms. So I just, I like, take the whole bowl, you know. <laughs> and uh, I get back to the room. I dump it on the bed. All the wrestlers, like, flood in. And, man, they're just Trojans. Like, oh, yeah, come no on. Rings. No and rings. So they all leave, and I got this pile of condoms on my bed. And, and. And it hit me. That's how those. That's how those rumors start. Like the lady down at things. Like those wrestlers. They're dirty. The cleaning <laughs> ladies are like, oh my goodness. There, it's an orgy for sure. There's an orgy going on. Look at all these condoms on his bed. So that that backfired a little bit. All right. Well, that that's a pretty good misconception. So that it that'll uh, give us a good segue into the 2021 Olympics. So obviously, if you're listening to this on time, the Olympic wrestling matches they start today. That's when the competition starts. So for, for my money, and like you follow this a lot closer than I do, I feel like for for the United States, and we'll we'll just focus on freestyle. The best chances for gold medals from the outside, really looking in, are Kyle Dake, yep. Kyle Snyder, and Gable Stevenson. 
Okay, yes. the, that's that's my money, and I don't have their their weights right here on top of my head because when you go from collegiate to, to this yes. to that, and then you you lose all the weights, I forget, and I don't do kilograms. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to convert yeah. things? I'm an American, all right. We do things our way. We don't yeah. do the metric system. We don't do any of that nonsense. So, from your perspective, do you agree with my assessment that Dake Snyder and Stevenson are the kind of the the favorites to win gold medals? And did I leave anybody out in freestyle? Uh, David Taylor has real good chances. Okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that that is an oversight by me. Sorry to David Taylor and the entire Ooh. Ohio State family for doing that. That's my bad. And so I, I guess from, from your perspective, if you had to actually give a prediction though, right? Cause we're hopeful. We're hopeful that all four of those guys yes. uh, win, win a gold medal. Which ones do you think actually will? Oh, Kyle Dake's going to be probably the most fun to watch. The top three guys there could all beat each other uh, is going to be really interesting. Kyle's two time champ last two years up a weight. And then you have the guy at 74 that has beaten Burroughs. Uh, a couple times now. He's the two-time champ last two years at 74, which is the Olympic weight. And then you have Chimizo, who uh, is maybe the best athlete right now in wrestling. And and if you count him out, you're an idiot. So those those three are going to be excited. And I I think the one that ends up by himself. You know, two of them have to be on the side. And uh, the guy that that ends up by himself, I think, probably wins. Cause okay. It's going to be really close. I'm pulling for Kyle Dake. Um, David Taylor probably has the best chance at winning. He he has one other really hard guy at his weight, Yazdani, who's considered maybe the best in the world on paper, but Taylor's beat him twice soundly both times. Uh, Taylor's coming off an injury, so that could hurt him, but he's 47 and all the last couple of years. Uh, international experience and and he be, he beat the brakes off Bo Nickel in, in the I was I was shocked by yeah. by that I mean I guess I shouldn't have been but like he he beat Bo Nickel pretty easily yeah, he's got big brother on him they train yeah. together and uh and and Bo's got some learning to do he's he's getting better but he's not there yet D- David definitely is Kyle Snyder it's gonna be round three that's gonna be exciting to watch him and uh, man I always say this dude's name wrong yeah the Russian dude yeah Sajulayev yeah they yeah. uh. They're one and one, I think. This will be the third round. Uh, they both won the Olympics in 16, two different weights. And uh, it's going to be it. – that'll be a really good match. And there's, a, like, a wild horse there. Uh, I can't even say his name. The Iranian. He uh, meddled back in, like, 14, failed for drugs, missed, like, four or five years. Uh, and now he's back. He's got to win over Snyder and, you know – I would imagine he was using steroids the whole time. Just cycled off. I don't I don't Man. think he's bad. Yeah, we got there's that opens a whole bunch of stuff. Right. There's a lot to talk about with Russia, you know, the Olympic Committee. Russia Olympic it sounds better. Right. Um I and on that, so part of the like Olympic experience, two thousand twelve we won as Olympic team, USA men's wrestling. At the time we didn't. Russia won, we took second. Three years later, part of the reason that Russia's not in right officially in right now uh two of the russians failed for the, the drug test you take them out we win the olympic we're the, we're the olympic team champs so i'm an olympic champ right there you and, go no, and like no never that hard enjoy it. yeah yeah to, exactly yeah, i didn't get any of that uh so that's interesting but i'm getting off topic i'm going down well no like that's there. that's 
ripe with everything because yes. calling it the Russian Olympic Committee is just ridiculous. ridiculous. And it's just, and I forget who was talking about it. They were talking about like these peptides and these different things that you can you can use and these things that leave your system so quickly. And to yeah, think you that, cycle. yeah, to think that these countries aren't doing that. And like I'm a little bit jaded and cynical about it. To think that the U.S. isn't doing that in, in some some certain shape or form, I think, is a little bit a little bit crazy. But it's just like well, we are. Yeah, and it's just to be fair, we we are. You know, uh, Armstrong. Uh, yeah, just, Lance Armstrong. Yep, he got caught. Uh, I will say our, our kind of joke in wrestling is like the U.S. We're learning how to catch the drugs. Like this is how you test for it. this. Is how well, this is what they're using. In Russia, they're learning how to do the drugs. Like they're right. they're you know, exactly. they're figuring out how to cheat. Where we're figuring out how to ke- catch the cheaters. And uh, yeah, and I, I'm torn on it because if I'm training for the Olympics my whole life, and the quad before me, those guys all cheat, and now I don't get to be in the Olympics would make me mad mm-hmm. however russia it's it's blatant there and it's yeah. from top down so there needs to be a punishment and i don't know the right answer but there needs to be a punishment and this is i don't well because people are like oh you can't punish the athletes but it's like i mean the athletes had a choice whether or not they would do these things i mean they they could have just not been an, an olympic athlete which I, i've never been in that position to make that you know moral stand like no i'm not going to put that in my body because it's the wrong thing to do right and i mean this is their entire life as well and whenever somebody that works for vladimir putin comes in and says all right we're going to put you in this black yeah. hood or we're going to take you over here we're going to we're going to inject you with something that's going to make you superman like i mean that that's kind of a hard spot to be in sure. one thing before we move on we talked about dake snyder and taylor let's talk about gable Stevenson because you know he's somebody that's kind of like really broken out for a lot of people and yes. there's already rumors about what he's going to do after the olympics but wh- how do you look at his chances of winning because he's at heavyweight right I, I think he wins i think he wins in style uh i will say that there's two really tough guys there that have won like the last six world olympics uh there's really nobody else at the way those two one won the last three and one won three before that uh but gable just he crushed our our number one guy who is a bronze the last two years and just yeah, ran right him. through him. Ran right through if him. If he shows up with his level of confidence, you know, he it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be ridiculous. So could he be the breakout star for like in, in a way for Team USA, at least for Team USA wrestling? Yes. Absolutely. He'll be do like he'll be like Snyder was, you know, he's Captain America now, Snyder. And and when he won it at whatever it was, 18 or 19 when the Olympic uh became huge star immediately, Gabe will be the same way. Although I think he's pretty set on going to WWE. Uh, you know, they're, they're already pushing him hard and he'll fit right in. He's very, he's got the he's personality. An entertainer. Yeah. yeah. I would like to see him do football, but, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could build a great career. I mean, look at Brock yes. Lesnar. He's one of the biggest, you know, Absolutely. WWE wrestlers of all time. And, you know, it's just, this was a guy who was a national champion. Yeah, Jack Swagger, a little show, shout out to us, uh, our, our yeah. rookie. He was on heavyweight when, when I was at OU. Right. And he's still fighting Bellator. Yep. Right. And so like, you know, there, there's. He could have a chance to do some of those things. Because you look at look at a guy like DC, one of the greatest MMA yes. wrestlers ever, or sorry, one of the greatest MMA fighters ever in MMA wrestlers, I guess. I mean, before he lost to Stipe the second time, I had him on my my Mount Rushmore for MMA just because yeah. of the guys he had beaten. It's like, yeah, there, there's not a whole lot of shame in losing to John Jones, right? You know, right. I mean, that's because that guy may be the most dangerous human being to ever walk the face of the planet. But I mean, for he started his MMA career at like 30. Yeah. And so if you're Gable, I mean, you can go make a crap ton of money, and if you want to go do the real thing for a while brock lesnar did that yeah. he kind of popped back and forth and you know he got a lot of assistance uh sure. physically you know yep. with some syringes while he was over in wwe which yeah, i'll never he, admit he knows to. A guy. yeah he knows a guy oh, all of a sudden he rubs his cream on his butt and all of a sudden he's enormous but 
That's kind of a cool thing. B12s. Yeah, B12s. Yeah, B12s, exactly. We, vitamins. Talking, we walked in on Cuba one time, and then they were getting shots in the butt, and the lady looked like – everybody looked like a deer in headlights, and the lady's like, B- B12. Yeah, B12, I'm B12. sure. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to watch him, him wrestle and kind of see what he has to do. I do want to talk about, because you mentioned it earlier in the show, the, this one rep per country per weight and in international competition, the limited weight classes. Okay, so yes. – uh, do you know why there's only one rep per country per weight? And do you know why the weight classes are so limited? So uh, what I've been told, it, it's medals and time. That's part of it, just by the Olympic Committee down. Right. Um, but wrestling has the most medals of any sport. Like most countries get a medal. Uh, and so I think that's a big part of it. If, if you make it where only two or three... Each country, you know, it's going to be Russia and USA and Iran, and that's they're going to win all the medals and nobody else will. It's also part of the reason we have two bronze in wrestling, which I think is kind of crazy. Yeah. You know, it, I, I would rather have another weight class. If you take out all the extra bronze, you add another two weight classes. I would rather see that happen because we have 10, I think, in, in world years. We, we drop it down to six for Olympics. And so you have all these guys meshing, and it adds some fun, but I'd rather see more weight classes. Uh, yeah. But that's still how I understand it. We, okay. That's, that's part of the reason we should never have been taken out of the Olympics, but that was part of the reason we got in. And uh, that was, there was a lot of craziness that day. A bunch, of the, a bunch of the world team, like the people that vote at the Olympics on what gets cut, weren't there that year. And like I said, wrestling's a, a lot of countries, it's the only sport they have a chance to medal in is wrestling. Right. So it was crazy it got cut. Yeah, I, yeah, that's not even worth talking about. It's such a stupid thing was, to really go into. But the 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 limited bad. weights and the limited reps for a country, that leaves out Olympic gold medal sure. champions like Jordan Burroughs. Yeah. So obviously Kyle Dake, that was the big news for me from the Olympic trials, U.S. Olympic trials for wrestling, was that Kyle Dake finally got over the hump because Kyle Dake is was always a little bit big yep. for for that class. The weight cut was hard and. I don't know if it was just a mental thing that he couldn't really get through Jordan Burroughs and like he had, you know, it took him so long to make his Olympic team because he had that guy, one of the greatest of all time yeah, in we, his way. We talked about it earlier, right? Yeah. How do you know if you have this guy behind you? Well, and so that that's the thing that, but it's crazy to me that Jordan Burroughs is watching the Olympics yeah. right now because now for all intents and purposes, Kyle Dake, the, if, you won't, if you just look at the scores, it doesn't look that way. But if you if you believe your eyes, Kyle Dick dominated those yes. two those two dominated. matches against Jordan Burroughs. Absolutely. In like it was like Jordan was it was either timid. really gun shy. Yeah, yes. timid is probably the perfect word. Like I was like, what am I watching? And I'm like, okay, this is an Olympian. This is a gold medalist. When he lost the first match, I was like, he knows something that I don't. He sees something in Kyle that I don't. Maybe yeah. he knows that Kyle gets tired. Maybe he saved himself and said, ah, you know, if I lose the first one, no big deal. I'm definitely going to win the second two. But the second match went just like the yes. first one. No and I didn't man. see that that urgency, that sense of urgency from him. Like, oh, I got to shoot. I got to do something. But what was interesting is in the final, like, 20, 25 seconds of both yes. of those matches, he turned it on. And it's like, there he is. There's Jordan Burroughs, yeah. like, and you could see Kyle Dake was, you know, kind of going into extreme de- defense mode while and still trying to, you know, you well, know. Well, and, and what's crazy, the first match, that last 20, he had a chance. So Kyle's really good, uh, like, body lock when you shoot. And right. Jordan's a shooter. Mm-hmm. And Jordan's always won the battle. Kyle will throw him, but he'll get more takedowns than, than Kyle gets throws off it. And uh, he looked timid about it. He looked worried about it. He shot in once early in the match. Kyle kind of tossed him. Kyle scored. Uh, so 20 seconds left, Jordan shoots in again, and it, it, 
who am I to correct Jordan Burroughs? Hey, you know. But I was watching the sack. I couldn't believe it. So he could have ran his feet and seen if he can get the takedown. But instead, like, he's going to lose anyway, right? Like, he gets thrown. Who cares? He's already losing. But he goes down to, like, that defensive mode and, and tries to scramble down the ground, which is what he did earlier. And Kyle scores again. And then he comes in the second match still timid. And it really surprised me that he didn't go all out on that shot to see if he could finish again. When, when my thought, if I'm timid and I'm worried about my best move and I'm already losing short time left, I'm going to hit it and see if I can hit it. Right. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to go into the second match the same mindset. And Yeah, something, something was off for sure. I, I thought Jordan would win. I thought he had Big Brother on him, but uh, I knew it would be a match. I didn't think it would be like that. Kyle blew him out. Yeah, I mean, great for Kyle Dake, and yeah. his performance and he looks was good. amazing. That and he, dude he, looks good. Yeah, so we'll see how that works out for him. But the other thing that we thought was going to happen was that with the U.S. trials, it was like, okay, it's either going to be Jaden Cox or it's going to be Kyle yeah. Snyder, right? And because those are because when you look at it, legitimately, yes. Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Dake, Kyle Snyder, and Jaden Cox all had opportunities to win Olympic gold medals if there were that many yes. weights available, right? Yes. But we never got that match between Kyle Snyder and, and Jaden Cox yeah. because supposedly, apparently, I, I don't know, Jaden Cox didn't make weight. So I'll give you what I remember from the story, but you Perfect. tell me because you were there on the ground that day. Like, there. you know what was happening. But w- this was what I got from Twitter and everything. So Jaden Cox was on, was ready to make weight. He was kind of making his way to his weight. But he said that a representative of USA Wrestling, who just so happened to be his coach, yep. told him the wrong time for weigh-in, right? Yep. And then when the time came for him to weigh in, he wasn't ready to weigh in. He wasn't at his weight. And then, you know, boom, just like that, hey, he, he's got to leave the, t- the, the, the trials. He can't, he can't compete in the trials. And, you know, afterwards he's saying he's going to, you know, there's going to be some legal things that he's mm-hmm. going to try to go through. And all I'm sitting here thinking is like, okay, so even if he goes to the courts and a judge agrees with him that there was this egregious error, what are they going to do? Bring Kyle Snyder out and say, all right, well, let's just get you two guys weeks later, months later like to, to deal with this and figure out how it's going to be. It's like, I don't think there's a scenario where you make the Olympic team. No, Jane, they, but that's exactly what they do. It okay. happened. It happened. It's happened before it happened to one of the Smith brothers, I think. Really? Yeah, okay. That, a, that's yeah. It's a that crazy, crazy story. Yeah. And so it, I, I guess take I it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't have happened, but take me through what you experienced and what you heard on the ground. Cause you were there during the trials. Yeah. So, uh, I'm there with, uh, Nate, uh, Nate Tomasello and we're getting ready and, um, Wayans are seven thirty to eight. And so Nate goes back at 7.30, Nate, you know, and you got all the guys down there. They're all sitting around waiting for weigh-ins or, or still cutting weight. Nate's one of those. He had to cut right up to 7.30, maybe 7.40. So actually, I think it was 7.40. Uh, so Nate Nate heads back, and, and the mat we were having him run on and lose his weight, uh, Jaden Cox is running on. And okay. Jaden's not cutting weight, right? It's, it, it's not a weight cut for him. He, uh, he's the one, like, it's, uh, he's not going down a weight. He's yeah, going up, you know, right. so it's not an issue. That so was the I, other thing that was really weird. Yeah, it's it. not an issue. So I'm like, he's jogging. He's, you know, he's not worried. He's going to wait till everybody's done. That's nice of him. They can go get their drinks, you know. He's not still in their spot in line. I'm like, what a nice guy. Uh, then it's 7.45. Then it's 7.50. And I, uh, so I walk over to, to KJ, and I'm like, hey, uh, Wayne's are done in 10 minutes, you know, and he's like, no, no, Wayne's are 8 to 8.30. I was like, no, 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 there's, look, like, guy's drinking water. Yeah, like, yeah. You don't do that before, Wayne's. Nope. 
And uh, he was like, no, no, it goes till 830. I was like, maybe he knows something I don't because he is one of, the, one of the USA wrestling coaches. So I'm like, okay. I walk back there to see what's taking Nate so long. Maybe his weight's not on yet. Maybe he's running around, you know, just see if he needs anything. And uh, so I come and walking back to the Wayne area, and they're like, Sam, do you know where Jaden is? You know where, you know where Jaden is? I'm like, yeah, he's over there jogging. They're like, well, he's got five minutes. All right. So I go running back, and I'm like, hey, man, they need him now. They're calling for him over there. And, and coach kind of looks at me like, kind of looks at his watch. He's like, no. I'm like, huh. Well, I've told him twice now. Yeah. That's kind of weird. So I like, what am I gonna tell him? So I walk over and sit down, and out comes Tomasello, and now there's three minutes left. And Tomasello's like, Jaden, man, you gotta go way in right now. They're like, you got two minutes. They're yelling for you, and you start hearing people in the back like, where's Jaden? And and then so then KJ's like, Jaden, we gotta go, and they sprint off, and uh, he gets there on time. Uh, maybe two minutes left or something. Weight wasn't an issue, but with his stuff on, he's over, right? So he's got to strip down and strips down, makes weight. It's after time. And so then they were fighting it, and I don't see where they thought they could win. I don't see it. in what in what way they thought they could. You got to set time, and it's terrible because he was on such a roll coming into the yes. trials. Go, go, coming into COVID, I thought he was the best in the u.s right then he hadn't been taken down in two years he was on top of his game i had him beaten sajulayev who unbelievably good five-time champ right. right like that guy is really good him and snyder back and forth i had i had Jaden winning everything i thought i beat snyder he beats sajulayev crushes everybody now i will say he didn't look great coming through covid they did a little preemptive flow wrestling did a thing and he didn't look as good uh so then i was like well it's curious to see who's going to win, Snyder or Cox. I don't know. Uh, but that should never happen. Both – I always knew when weigh were. You're cutting weight. Like that's the one thing you know is like I can't wait for 730. Like, right. I'm going to be right. – on the other hand, like not cutting weight, you got your coach saying, yeah, it's at 8. Okay, it's at 8. Like I could see myself also being like coach said it. He's on it. Uh, what's really weird to me though is that not neither one of them were aware enough to see like there was a bunch of people on the mat cutting weight now they're all gone now you see people drinking water because it starts 7 30 there's guys that are out of there at 7 31 and 12 seconds right. chugging water you know there as soon as weigh-ins so it was it, I, there was a very bad breakdown of something uh i just as a guy that's i mean if I'm on time, I feel like I'm late. Like if I show up yes. at 10 o'clock for a 10 o'clock meeting, I'm like, oh my gosh, like the, I'm just incredibly anxious about that. But like, I don't understand how five years of training since the last Olympics, right? Yep. But your entire life, kind of similar to you, is spent doing this thing. And the, the hard part is the wrestling. The yeah. easy part is all the stuff you have to do just to get to the mat, yeah. right? And Again, it's easy for me to be on the outside looking in at the situation to where I was like, I was hoping you were going to tell me that there was some other nefarious thing that happened. And, you know, there was an axe to grind by this coach and all that. And then he like sabotaged his appearance. But it was like everything like I'm sure Kyle Dake and Jordan Burroughs like that was the, the, the marquee matchup. Yeah. But like one B was this matchup at the yeah. Olympic trials. Like of all the Olympic trials of all the sports, that was one of the things I was looking forward to the most. And as a wrestling fan, we didn't get to see it. But like, 
I don't know, and I haven't heard anything from Jaden Cox since his little uh, presser that he did right yeah. after this whole thing went down. So have you heard about kind of how he's reacted leading yeah, up to this? Yeah, he was out in Poland with us. He wrestled in Poland, and seems like he's dealt with it real well. He's he's done a good job dealing with it. I'll give him that. I'd be I'd be mad I'd, at myself, at my coach, at the situation. I, yeah, it, it was a, one of the crazier things I've ever seen in wrestling just because it shouldn't happen. Uh it was odd, man. It was real odd. But he seems to be doing really well. Uh, I don't see any consequences. I don't, which is crazy to me. I feel like there should have been something. Uh, right. a USA, one of the head coaches, and their guys late, and I don't know. I don't. They make more money than me. People right. making those decisions. Well, I'm actually they see something I don't. I'm glad they didn't. Just from a standard of fairness, I'm glad that they didn't. You know, bend some rule because that's the exact thing. It's like if you yes. if you bend, you know, one minute here, you got to bend an hour the next time. And so, like, I'm glad they they went through I, and did that. I agree. And, and it's a different tournament. I probably let them in. Right. You know, yeah, we, but everybody wants to see him in. But yeah, this for is, trials, it is what it is. So you got to be responsible. And yeah, it's, that's the extreme ownership mindset. If Jocko was here, he'd say the same thing. So um, before we kind of get off the Olympic thing, I, I do and I love talk, both those guys. Just yeah, that exactly. Yeah, I love we, both we're not talking now. trash on any of those guys, and, yeah. and that's the thing. It's like those are great American athletes, and hopefully that hopefully he gets his moment yes, down the road. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but before we move on to some of your coaching uh, career and kind of some other stories there. There's a lot that's been made so far because the the ratings for the Olympics are abysmal right yeah. now, and they're not normally abysmal, right? right. And some people are like, oh, it's because it, you know it's not on an even numbered year, and people are used to that, and you know with COVID, and maybe people are busy and blah 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 and all those types of things. But I would say the people that have said it has a lot more to do with there's no cohesive unity behind the American flag and behind competing for the United States that that's why. So like for me. I'm not going to be watching the NFL this fall with all the Black Lives Matter chicanery and the Black National Anthem, whatever that is, playing that before the actual National Anthem and all the protests there with the NBA, like all the crap that they pulled, like I'm done watching that as well. Like I'm trying to figure out how to be the best hockey fan possible. But for me as an American, as an incredibly patriotic American that looks forward to these Olympic Games every four years and I guess every two years if you count the Winter Olympics, I'm astonished at how how much play is being given to like the number of articles I've seen about whether or not the women's basketball team is going to protest or not during the the Olympics or the run up to the Olympics or anything like that. I'm like, is that what we're really talking about? We're not talking about their chances at gold. We're not talking about the teams that are going to challenge them for supremacy in the sport. The sport. This is what we're talking about. You have Gwen Berry, a hammer thrower who got third place in the trials, who is lucky to even be an Olympian. She's somehow one of the heroes of the Olympics because she refused to turn and salute the flag of the United States of America during the national anthem. She refused to be respectful for 90 seconds of her life. For you as an Olympian, for somebody who's not only a patriotic American, but somebody whose job it was to represent the United States of America professionally with the rings on your jumpsuit and the American flag, what does it feel like for you to see these athletes that are doing these things and protesting the country they claim to be representing? It's hard for me. The first thing I did when we got to Olympic Village, I put my flag in my window. I, I hung the, the American flag, you know, and I still have it. I had everybody on the team sign it. It's one of the one of my like keepsakes I really like. Uh, so it's really hard for me. I, I've, I just, man, it's it's rough to watch, and and it. I don't like. It seems right now, uh, culturally, like it's all about having enemies, all about blaming somebody, and and like the the news, 
and it's maybe a nefarious uh, thought, but rather than the Olympics has always brought people together. You know, it's about it's about coming together. It's a, look, we can compete and 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 still come together, be on the same page, cheer together. It was one of my wife's favorite parts of it. Right. She's in the stands cheering, and Iran's right next to him cheering, and they're cheering with each other and helping and high fiving and. That doesn't happen. No. You know, uh, and actually, I think it happens more than people want to admit. Not people, but whatever, the man. They want, they want enemies, and it seems like that's the big push. Uh, where normally in the Olympics, it's, it's very much uh, look how they're doing, look, look all good, good weathered stories. This person, they, they had a rough upbringing, they made the Olympic team, and, and this person did this, and, and look how they've come together. And, and this one's very much like, Everything being pushed is divisive. It's uh, how how are they gonna how are they gonna do this? And I can't believe they did that. And and the ratings are down. That's not what Olympics is about. People don't want to see that, and they don't want to mm-hmm. hear that. Uh, we get enough of it, especially the last few years. You know, that's that's all it's been is divisiveness. And uh, I think that's why. I think that I really think that's why the Olympics aren't a big deal right now. Is that's it's still getting pushed at the right. the one thing that's supposed to. And, and throughout history, sports brings has always been what brings us out of stuff. You had the Great Depression, you had the, the racing, you had the boxing that was, you know, you weren't supposed to be doing it, and they found a way in the, the betting, and it's always helped. It's Sports is what, what helps people get through hard times, and we're not, we have the sports, and we're not being allowed to use it as a way to get out, to right. get away from all the... The, the divisiveness uh, this is my word right now and yeah and i hate seeing it i i absolutely hate seeing it and yeah it's frustrating it, it really is and, and i'm a little bit devil's advocate you you know i think you said it in your podcast like made a bunch of money as soon as she did that like if yeah. i'm an athlete and fame's what i'm supposed to be trying to get here's a way i can be famous where if i hadn't done this nobody knows who i am nobody right. knows who she was till she does that and you know it's it I get it. I get why they're doing it. It, it. It's what we say as a culture, like, this is what you should do. This is how you become famous. Right. And famous is the best, you know, make lots of money. That's the best. Uh, and I just don't – sports is supposed to be the way to get away from that, to remind you. Right. And, I, and Sam, I don't want to be hyperbolic. And, you know, whenever I make a prediction about the future on my podcast, I try to provide some caveats and different things like that. Sure. But I feel like – if we seed sports, and, and the, the cat may already be out of the bag here with yep. this, if we can't rally around sports, professional sports, college sports, Olympic sports, whatever, that is one of the things that will lead to the downfall of this country because we don't have a reprieve or a rest period from the craziness of the divisiveness of left and right or Republican and Democrat or liberal and conservative. Like We don't have that separation anymore because guess what? When your wife is high-fiving another wife from Iran, you know what they're not thinking about? The Iran right. nuclear deal, right? right? They're, they're not thinking about you know, right. the, the, the potential of you know, their state-sponsored terrorism and what we're trying to do to combat that, right? Well, in, a, in an American context, right, if you're rooting for the Buffalo Bills or the St. Louis Cardinals or the you know, University of Texas Longhorns, I just brought that up because you're wearing the yeah. shirt. But if you're rooting for those people, you're not rooting for them. Are horns your, not allowed now? Yeah, you, you know, you can do it in the studio if you want to, but there's no <laughs> video, so we'll never know if it actually happened. But, like, that's the thing is, like, you're not a Texas fan who's also wearing a Bernie Sanders sticker or a MAGA hat or something like that. You're a Texas fan, right? right? You're a Cardinals fan. You're right. a this fan. You're a that fan. 
and we've gotten to this point now where you can't even do that. Yeah. You can't sit. You can't sit in the stands next to somebody that disagrees with you about potentially a super minute political issue. Yeah. So it's like, hey, mate, this person disagrees on tax policy, so I can't be associated with them in any way, shape, or yes. form. And there's there's no there's no things. And again, I'm a walking contradiction in that. I just did a podcast on my university changing their fight song, <laughs> right. and you know, kind of going at it and like trying to figure that out. But it's like, how can you support an entity that claims to be neutral? and claims to be something for everybody when they're doing something that is so divisive. I'm stealing your word of the day kind of a thing. But it is for me, it is it is a rough thing because I want Americans to be able to rally around our teams and around our female and male athletes. And it's just really, really hard to do because for me, I'm finding myself cheering against the United States women's soccer team. And by the time this episode comes out, who knows if they moved on in the next round or if they've been eliminated or whatever. But I want Megan Rapinoe. I don't want her to get injured. I'm not going to w- wish injury on her, right. but I want them to get smoked in every single game because they're disrespecting the country they claim to represent, right? Nike making their, you know, warm-ups to say Black Lives Matter. And again, Black Lives Matter, the sentence makes perfect sense, but Black Lives Matter, the organization, is an evil organization whose ideologies are founded in Marxism, which goes back to basically atheism and, and Satanism and all those different things. So now I'm kind of getting off and I'm kind of like recording my own podcast here. Let's kind of get back to the stuff you're doing. You got me all hot and bothered now, yeah, right? And I get you're it. just answering the stuff the way you should be answering it. But, you know, it's good to kind of hear that perspective from you know, a former USA athlete, but you have eventually, you know, you're technically now, I guess, retired from actually competing and you've yeah. moved on to coaching, which is kind of a common thing for a yeah. lot of people. Those to do who that. can't coach. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so, but you did and you can coach now. So obviously there's a lot of differences between being a competitor and being a coach. And I feel like it'd be unfair right now, since you're still so early in your coaching journey to ask you which one that you like better competing. because obviously, oh well, yeah, because obviously I figured you would just say competing, but, but as a coach, what are the things that you like about coaching is there anything that has surprised you have you taken to it like a duck to water like you know what is it about coaching that was kind of appealing to you and is keeping you attached to it oh uh, I, I love it. it my dad did it I always knew I'd coach when I was done so uh, I like to think it's uh it, it's been a smooth transition for me um some of the things that are hard like my pride will get involved now and then wrestling with you know and I, it'll be it, all suddenly it's about me like I gotta beat them, let them know, and and to a degree you need that. To a degree, it's kind of surprises me when it happens because I'm I'm not that way, and so it surprises me when it when any time that comes out. And uh, but I really love helping give direction. Wrestling, you know, what's great about wrestling is anybody can do it. Everybody can do it. We got guys without a leg winning. We have big guys, little guys, long guys, short guys. You know, we do we have, we have it all, and uh, so it it's fun helping steer them because you don't want to steal what they're good at come they got to college for a reason you know they're they're going for a world olympic medal for a reason they did this that made them real good but you want to shave that that time off you know i want to i want to tell them like being up with 20 seconds left's a good thing don't start thinking it's not you you want you don't want a year there of missed time You're, you're trying to help them uh find their path without stepping in the same potholes you stepped in and and no one like they can't do it the exact same way i did very few guys wrestle exact same way i did uh and that's a lot of fun to me trying to keep their their what makes them unique and and got them there while getting rid of all the the bad things uh is a lot of fun and you know uh, 
I do a lot of Little League stuff. I help out with Little League. My son's in it, and it's part of my role, RTC. I want to help out the whole state. I'm not I'm not just a, an OU wrestling coach, right? I'm, I'm Right, and so RTC is a regional training center, yeah. and so you are a coach with, with OU, but yes. you do more things than just coach collegially. Correct. I, I'm the guy that, that helps when they're done with college and they want to make the Olympic team. I'm, I'm the that's me. I help them make Olympic teams. And, and so I also help high school kids that want to be on that and, and little league kids that want to be on that path to make an Olympic team. Uh, I help steer them toward the right people. And, and it's kind of my job. And, uh, I like the little league cause you can do a lot more in their life. Like I can set them on, help them get on the right path early where college you're kind of setting your ways, sure, you yeah. know, uh, I will say college, you make big decisions and we can help with that, which I like. That's, that's, you know, you're starting to make the really big decisions in life and we can be a shoulder to lean on and an ear and, and you know, we can talk to them a little and help guide them there, uh, which I really enjoy too. Cause, cause it's more than just wrestling, you know, it, it's right. on the mat, it's in life. It's, what we do absolutely so one thing about coaching and you and i've talked about this several times off air and i actually asked that of hardell moore who was previously on this the concept of young boys wrestling young girls and so uh, i think if if i can you know remember exactly hardell was very very okay with that like hey just is what it is if you're if that's the person that's in your bracket that's the person that you're gonna have to wrestle but for me as the father of a now 15 month old boy who will very very likely get into wrestling you know we're we're not going to require our our kids to play particular sports, but we are going to require them to play sports and we are going to push them towards things like wrestling and jujitsu. Um, I have, I have some issues with that personally, because we're, we're trying to teach these young boys to model what it is to be a man and a man doesn't physically dominate a woman. Now there are scenarios like if a woman breaks sure. into my house in the middle of the night and she's trying to physically dominate, like at that point I'm going to hit a woman. I'm just going to be real honest with yeah. it. Like, but there aren't a whole lot of other scenarios like that, right? The the break in in the middle of the night, they're trying to kill my family thing. Yeah, I think it's okay for you to hit a woman at that point. I don't think God's going to be mad at you. But for me, whenever you are trying to teach your eight year old son that you're you're to honor women and you're not to you know physically dominate them, you're to protect them, but then also you're doing a very physically dominant sport where it's like, it's just you and them, you're in singlets and you're saying, go and dominate that female. It's not the same as baseball because if you're a pitcher and a girl comes up to the plate, you're not physically doing anything to them directly. You might hit them with the ball on accident, but you're not doing anything physically to them directly. So for me, I haven't fully fleshed out my opinions, but in my head, I think I would be more comfortable with my son forfeiting those matches and possibly main for those few years that he would actually be competing against girls while they're more physically developed and there aren't as many guys or young boys in the bracket but from your perspective what are your thoughts and I, and I guess for you growing up and, and for your son with wrestling girls when you're in kind of those younger age brackets how do you feel about that so growing up was absolutely not allowed to um and that was from your dad your yep. dad straight up said matches no. tournaments and thankfully it never happened i never never had to wrestle a girl uh i had a couple in my bracket at times but we never met up um and and I agree. I think there's a it's a a big topic, and I lean toward no. I, I need to flesh it out. Like I really need to think, sit down, think about it. But it seems to me uh, all the reasons you gave are absolutely right. I'm teaching my son to respect women. I I want him holding the door open for girls. You know, I, I'm I'm old school. I'm old I school chivalry. chivalry. Yeah, yeah I'm go. a fan of it. Uh, and at the same time. 
most sports, guys, guys with guys, girls with girls, and, and wrestling's finally coming around to that. We have girls leagues, we have girls teams, we have girls state, and I'm 100% in. Like, I want my daughter to wrestle. When I was a kid, girls weren't supposed to wrestle. That was, that was my dad's rule, like, girls shouldn't wrestle. And uh, I've, I've changed my mind on that. I think, it's, I think girls should wrestle. I want my daughter to wrestle. Uh, it won't bother me if she don't. Yeah, exactly. But if, if she wants to go wrestle, like let's go, let's go. You could be, you could be the third generation. Let's go get it, girl. Uh, but guys wrestling girls, I don't, I don't. Personally, I don't like it, and I think it shouldn't, it shouldn't happen. Guys should wrestle guys, girls should wrestle girls. It's, it's pretty simple. Uh, we do. That's how it works in in every sport. Uh, well, you say you say it's not fully fleshed out yet, but let's take the scenario of your son, who's how old now? He's Seven. Seven, right? So he's right at that age where, you know, you're doing the tournaments, and he's like, you know, obviously he's done those before. He's in a bracket, and, you know, a girl ends up on the other side of the bracket. We know what your dad's rule is. What's yep. your rule? I don't know, to be okay. honest. I, and it hadn't happened, so I haven't – I would lean toward, like, if it – right now it happened, I'd probably be like, no, can't can't wrestle. Or, okay. Um, but like my dad, I would let him keep wrestling and – if they meet, they meet. Then, then we have to make that choice. But until that comes, we're not pulling them out of a tournament because there's a girl in his bracket. So, with that in mind, I guess the one thing I would encourage you to do, which you know, here's some advice you didn't ask yeah. for, is like you should probably figure that out yes, before that time comes because you know, uh, I know for me, when I've been put in in the heat of a moment, sometimes I make good decisions, other times sure. I don't, and it's like it was because I didn't spend enough time beforehand thinking about it. But let's just let's play this out just a little bit. Let's sure. say this does happen, whether you thought about it beforehand or thought about it in the moment, and you say no, I'm not going to let my son wrestle against this girl, and he gets upset he's disappointed like maybe this is the gold medal match like maybe maybe this was you know the you know a very important tournament for them so now sam hazewinkle the dad because you're always right. sam hazewinkle the dad you're not right. always sam hazewinkle the coach but you're sam hazewinkle the dad how do you explain that to your son in a way that they would understand like what would be maybe your advice to guys that are listening to this who maybe have kids that are maybe they've had some of these same ideas and thoughts yeah i i think i would do like my dad and keep it simple. Keep it black and white. Boys don't wrestle girls. We don't. We don't wrestle girls. And, and keep it simple. It's. It doesn't need to be. But daddy, why? Yeah. But daddy, why? Like, what do you say? You know. I, I. I think there's arguments on both sides, and I say we don't. You know what? For a lot of the reasons you said, uh, we we don't. We respect women, and uh, I, I'll be honest with them. Like, that's what my dad did, and I. You know, I don't see. I don't have a reason yet to change it. I haven't been convinced otherwise. Uh, and I know a lot of guys I respect that are all for it. And so that's why I say I think it's an issue that there's maybe some ar argument on that, that I would need to think out. The good news is Josh could care less. Yeah. He would be like, sweet, let's go home. I want to play <laughs> Beyblades. He, yeah, he is not into wrestling yet. And, and to what you were asking earlier, I make him wrestle. He has to go to practice. He's not allowed to quit in the middle of a – season you know and you right. you got to do you it you got to finish yeah you're still young i'm telling you what to do we're this is what we're doing but we're doing that with all, any sport sure he starts soccer he doesn't want to do soccer halfway through the season you got to finish season right you know i i even put him in basketball once which was 
for those of you that can't see uh, right now, so Sam Hazewinkle is one of the toughest human beings I know, but he is not exactly one of the tallest human beings nope. I've ever seen. So there's not a whole lot of guys your size that end up as point guards in the NBA. Even John Stockton, everyone thought he was a midget. That dude was decently tall. Chris Paul, like these, these guys are yeah, decently tall. Yeah, there's some tall. short, there was, uh, what's his what name? Muggsy Bogues yeah, or Spud Webb. Spud. Yeah. Right, so. But they were taller than me. Yeah, they, they were a little Both bit taller. taller. So just for our listeners, how tall are you? Oh, man. Well, Wait, I got to ask, are you, hey. How, do I, how tall do I feel? No, no, no. I don't care about how you feel, right? It's kind of like your gender. I don't really care yeah, how you feel five, about it. I don't know, 5'5". Five, five. Right, five, you're, five, five, five. but I'm just going to go ahead and say this. For any of, one, any of you out there thinking that you're going to cackle at that, you're the baddest five five guy on the I planet, right? That. So there you go. It's like you're 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 the guy. I like, think so. Okay, I think so as well. So I, I do want to kind of tee you up for this because I've heard you tell a really crazy story. Whenever yes. you were overseas and you you were there <laughs> for a wrestling competition, and so I'm just gonna back away from the mic because I've heard this before, but I want you to regale our our audience here with this insane story. So ready, set, go. Okay, so I show up in uh, Denver and we're flying over to Serbia and. Uh, the coach, we had a coach on staff at the time that was from Serbia, and he's not going, uh, which probably should have been a flag. Flag should have went off. Yeah. That guy's not, he's like a god there. He was a two-time Olympic gold medalist. And he's not going, and uh, the head of USA Wrestling shows up, and he's like, guys, if you don't want to go, you don't have to. The embassy's saying you shouldn't go overseas, you shouldn't, shouldn't go to Serbia. But, hey, man, Dave Schultz, you know, he would go to Russia when it was USSR, and you weren't allowed to do that. And he's America's greatest wrestler. Right. And uh, so we're wrestling, and, and I'm like, well, man, Dave Schultz did it, and well, I'm not going to be the first one to raise my hand. If anybody else says, no, they're not doing it, I'll, I'll join them. But if everybody's going, like, can't be that big of a deal. Uh, no one no one raised their hand, so we all go over. And to be fair, we had the Navy coach with us, so we got a military guy with us, so I wasn't overly concerned. And we show up, we got our uh, police escorts, which is not uncommon, depending on where you go in the country, you have police escorts. And they have AKs. That's a little less common. Usually they just have their guns, you know, but AKs, like, but all right, still not terribly uncommon. Seen that before. Uh, everywhere we go, we got them. Now we're, we're going to our last practice. It's the, you know, it's 5 p.m. We're going to do this practice. Tomorrow morning is weigh-ins. And 5 p.m., we're going, and we pull over on the side of the highway. And they're like, well... Big protest today, and they found out Americans were using the university, and they've, they've surrounded the university. It's no problem. <laughs> it's like, no oh, problem. yeah, okay, no problem. We're sitting on the side of the highway. Well, Greyhound buses are going by, Greyhound buses. And before you know it, the highway's starting to back up. And we realize, you know, it's everybody going to this protest, and it's all like college-age kids because that's protests, right? Yeah, sure. It's what happens when you don't have sports and you got all this excess energy. you got to go spend it somewhere. and. And so there's these buses, and they're going by, and uh, one of them, I'm kind of looking, you know, and he holds up a, 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 what was it, a pirate flag that had USA and duct tape with an X through it upside down. And I'm like, oh, man. And everybody, we're from Canada, right? Let's practice. Oh, Canada. Yeah, you know, you exactly. Get, get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is getting bad, and. About that time, the cops come back, and they're like, okay, we're good to go. We go to the university. Sure enough, no one there. Cut weight. We're good. Go home. Cutting weight, all right, so we can't drink and fluids like the normal. You take a shower. You flip on the TV, and it's always in whatever, another language, but you watch, you know, and every channel is like a building on fire. We're like, man, there's not even anything on TV. This stinks, and coach comes walking by the room, and he's just like, what do you mean? 
Well, get someone to beep over here. We need a beep, 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 beep. You know, he's off on down the hallway. I'm like, oh, that was weird. Uh, yep, still building's on fire. So then coach comes by again. He's like, listen, fellas, we're leaving the country right now. Uh, the protest became a riot. The American embassy's on fire. They've, you know, they're, they're trying to kill everybody. And all the military is getting the diplomats out. Like, we have no help. We're on our own. And we're sitting there like, no, 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 no. We're cutting weight. We're wrestling tomorrow. Right. They're like, no, we're leaving right now. We're like, no. He's like, listen, pack up. We're like, can we eat? Like, we're not wrestling. <laughs> yeah, let's eat. Uh, so then you start drinking fluid, and you're kind of half-packing. And, and once you get some fluids in you and some food, you're like, feeling good. oh, this is real. Yeah, like, it's getting real now. You know, you kind of realize what's going on. And so we pack up, and we already couldn't stay in the city because everything going on. And we're in this little town where they would come by every morning and throw coal out front, just a big pile of just coal. And they'd throw it in the furnace down low, and the power was on 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Well, we're loading up, boom, power goes off the whole city, like the, the town, whatever. Uh, so we're finishing loading up in the dark because there's no power. And uh, no, no, like hyperbole, we take actual dirt roads out of Serbia into Turkey uh, through whatever those mountains are and – it takes forever because we're on dirt roads and there's nothing just straight. You're, you're winding and through the hills and we get pulled over three times by like a security patrol and border patrol, whatever. Each time they make us all get out. They got like AKs pointed at us, line up against the bus. They go through all our gear, load it back up, put us back in. Each time we're like, we're in the middle of nowhere, like out in the mountains. If yeah. one of these people, uh, and, and so, you know, so, Serbia was had you know Texas decides to leave the U.S. and Serbia is like yeah we're on Texas side, uh, so whatever state in Serbia was trying to leave Serbia and the U.S. I don't know who the U.S. was back in yeah but we were on the opposite like in the bad area you know where you don't want to be a U.S. person and so uh, we're leaving and we're thinking like if if these guys are on the other side like we're done. Like they're going to get us. Yeah. And thank the Lord, none of them were. Uh, we made it to Turkey, and I wrestled so good in Turkey. Like, there you go. That's by far the best I ever wrestled. I crushed everybody. Uh, it was just great to be alive, you know. And, and it was crazy. We didn't have cell phones back then. Like, there were cell phones. Nobody owned a cell phone, yeah. you know. And so you would do a collect call, and, and Rachel's at work, and— or at church, and somebody's like, hey, so how's your husband? Like, yeah, they burned down the American embassy, and they're trying to get everybody out of the country, and there's hostages. And she's like, what? And <laughs> shame on USA Wrestling. Nobody called our families. Yeah. And we're in the back roads, you know? So she didn't get to find out for a couple of days, and finally we get a collect call home, and I'm like, yep, I'm safe. I'm okay. I'm like, nothing to worry about. And, it, yeah, again, very surreal. Like, yeah. going through it was just, it was surreal, and, I don't think we realized the kind of danger we were in. and So now I tell kids, you know, the good coach I am, if, if the head of USA Wrestling shows up, eh, don't go. You'll, yeah. It's one tournament. You'll hey, be okay. All for the love of wrestling. Though. Yeah. Like, it was the love of wrestling that almost got your head taken off. So. Yeah. yeah. Dave Schultz did it. Hey, but, the USSR. But we're glad you're here. We're glad you made I'm it out alive. I'm glad I made it out. It's uh, good, a good story now. Before we, we wrap up and go into our last section, uh, I, I would you'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that part of the reason why you and I are connected is because you and I go to the same church. Like, you are a member yeah. of my foxhole. You are Sam the coach, as per my foxhole episode, episode 104. You know, we've trained together you know, a few times. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it very much. But, like, 
like you know we we've trained together um you know done some wrestling and and done a little bit of jujitsu as well but one of the defining things about you is not just your athletic exploits it's your christian faith and i will say that you and i own the same bible the esv study bible there you go but yours is quite a bit more worn than mine is and i don't know if that's just by virtue of the fact that i you know printed books I, I try to you know really keep them pristine i don't really like writing in them or highlighting but that is something that you know just watching you being in sunday school sitting at the same table doing those things you are constantly looking at the scriptures and so i don't know if that's just for play or for show because you're in sunday school or whatever <laughs> thing is i get the sense that that's not the case but talk to me a little bit about your christian faith and about because you mentioned at the top of the show that you're very religious and you know that could be taken about a million different sure. ways but you know Talk about your Christian faith and you know whether or not for you that has an impact on what you do in wrestling as a competitor or a coach. Yes, so I'm a Christ follower, and uh, it's very much part of it. My dad was too, so I'm a second-generation Olympian and uh, third-generation Christian, which the, the older I've gotten, I realize, man, that's rare. There's yeah. not a lot of third-generation yeah. Christians, and, and so I'm very blessed in that way, and, and it was a big part of my dad's philosophy, and so it's become a big part of mine is – we we look through the filter uh, of the Bible and then wrestling for whatever in life. That's how we do it. We look at what the Bible says. We look at wrestling says, uh, and and that's all my philosophy in wrestling comes through that. The Bible says, you know, give hundred percent heart, mind, soul to what you're doing and do it for God. So uh, my wrestling, I give a hundred percent heart, mind, soul, and I do it to glorify God. He gave me these abilities, and so I'm not trying to wrestle for me, which we all do. We're all you know. Sure. And, and to a degree, that's good. You should wrestle for yourself. You know, you want to go win. But but I, I try to keep it that I'm wrestling for Jesus. Like that's – I'm trying to showcase uh, the abilities he's given me, the situation he put, put me in, and I just want to be, you know – showing others to, to Jesus. That's that's my goal, and uh, I use it very much in every part of wrestling, every, every, every part of it. And, you know, when you're sitting at home, you can always think of all the ways that you do it, and anytime somebody asks, it's always hard to come up with one. You know, but there's plenty of them. Um, maybe they'll come to me here as we talk, but... No, that's good. And and that's the thing about it is to work under the Lord is a hard thing for people that hate what they're doing, right? And so to any of those of you that are listening, just as a little aside... I know your job might suck. I know your boss might be a pain in the neck. I know that, you know, perhaps you're not making as much as you want or you're not at the station in life within your career that you thought you would be at by this point. But when you change your mindset to work under the Lord, it changes not only your gas tank, it changes you know the focus of what you're doing. And so I think that's something that you kind of touched on a little bit is that, you know, you're not just training for you, even though you are training for you. You're not just training to impress people, even though you are training to impress people, your coaches or your teammates or whatever. Your training is unto the Lord. You're training to serve in the way that you're serving. And so you're going to be the best competitor you can be because that was your job. Now you're trying to be the best coach that you can be because that is your job. And the impact that you're going to have on people could have a ripple effect that you may never even realize. And so that's a very, very important thing for all of you is carry the gospel wherever you go. You know, I just talked about, you know, hanging out with Phil Robertson and he's marinated in the gospel. That guy just, the gospel just spews out of him whenever necessary, right? And even when it's not necessary, he just kind of still throws it out there. So that's a big deal. I appreciate you sharing that with us. But we are going to come down to the end of our show here and we're going to do for the first time live the segment called what would you say to someone that said so you know since you're a listener of the podcast this is lightning round all right so i'm going to throw out these random statements to you they're going to start with what would you say to someone that said i will end the statement but you got 30 seconds tops right you got 30 seconds to give me your answer so you up for it i am up for it if you let me ask you a couple first you 
Well, this is my this is my show. Like I, I know, you can't just like, like switch it up on. I, oh, he's got his notepad. For those of you that can't see this, he's got his notepad out. Yeah, I feel I, like I you were prepared for this. I I came prepared. I tried to. Okay, I'm, well I, I agree. Yeah, sure. Why not? Here, yeah, you go ahead and take over my show. I was trying to launch into my last segment here, but yeah, sure. You go ahead and take over, Sam. Go for it. Okay. Uh, what would you say to somebody that said uh, redheads are uh, stepchildren for a reason that, that nobody wants to claim them? Uh, well, I would say that redheads are obviously a walking genetic deformity, and so that is what I am. I've accepted it. I have no soul. It is what it is. Ah, ding, right, correct answer. Okay. Uh, what would you say to somebody who said alpha males are toxicity, and they had their chance to lead, and now they need to step aside because betas are the new alphas? Uh, betas are not the new alphas, and I will tell you that these betas will be looking around for the alphas when things are hitting the fan, right? Because it's easy to be a sheep when the wolves aren't around, but whenever the wolf shows up, the sheep will be looking for a sheepdog nice uh would you rather you well if you're gonna do my segment you gotta do it right you gotta say what would you say to someone that said come on now okay you're what sitting would you say like, i can't someone... even read your questions because your chicken scratches yeah. all the time what are we doing here i'm go trying to it. decide which one here uh, all right you can ask all of them i got mine ready to go we'll eventually get to mine there we go eventually we'll okay do it. Uh, and I'm trying to think of my answers for yours so I don't look like an idiot. Well, you, you don't know what I'm going to ask you now. I'm going to throw you out a bunch of stupid ones now. Great. Uh, who's tougher? What would you say to somebody that said that the uh, clown is tougher than the bull rider? Oh, man, that's a really good question. Uh, I would say that I would disagree with them because the clown has to deal with the bull from a distance, but the bull rider has to hop on top of that thing. And so the clown is in trouble, and those are some brave SOBs, even though they look like clowns because they are dressed like clowns. But I would say the guy that's actually have to get on the back of the bull, that's a little bit of a tougher situation. Well, you'd be wrong. So. Oh, okay. okay, you're not even going to explain to me why I'm wrong. You're just going to go to the next one. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. This is going yeah, wonderful. That's it. Um, what would you say? It's the last one. What would you say to someone that said, I could beat you and my <laughs> at the same time. You could be say that again. I don't know. Say that again. I'm going to make you say that again. What would you say to somebody that said I could beat you and my at the same time? I'm not even going to dignify <laughs> that answer with a full or that question with a full response. Yeah. How dare you ask me such a ridiculous question? Yeah, it, it worked on me. I got asked that no. once, and I was like, "You can't turn me." And they asked me, and I was like, what did you – and I got turned. I was like, well, was well done. It was that well reminds done. me of a time when I was training with – shout-out to Tyler Murrah, who is a brown belt IBJJF world champion in jiu-jitsu. He's been uh, since promoted to black belt. But Very early nice. on in my jiu-jitsu career, uh, I'm, you know, I'm trying to go crazy. We're about the same size yep. you know, type of thing. And I'm going crazy. I'm trying to like do whatever, and I'm a white belt. He literally was in such control. He reaches over to off the mat where his water bottle was and i'm going to do this next to the mic so you can hear it he unscrews his water bottle takes a sip takes the time to screw the cap back on set it down all the while i'm trying to get out yeah i'm trying to figure i'm trying to sweep i'm trying to escape he was in such control he had time to take a break in the middle of a roll so tyler i love you but screw you forever i hate you for embarrassing me like that but i'm going to take back over sam this is my show all right i'm gonna gonna comment on that one of my uh lines i like using to mess with the the college guys that are you know getting better but i'll be like yeah i I know what you're gonna do before you know what you're gonna do and and sometimes it's true like i I can see it in their eye here it comes you know and you get to have some fun with it so hey you know uh, even just saying that to them that's a little bit of a screwy thing inside the mind so it's a good trick that you're playing but now now sam you settle down there we're gonna go into my side okay let's go are you ready sam hayeswinkle what would you say to someone that said 
I would wrestle, but I don't like the idea of sweaty men grabbing all over me. Well, you shouldn't be in wrestling. He's not, they're not, they're not ready for it. I've heard that from a lot of people that's before. What, they give the same answer for jiu-jitsu. that's what breaks you, then you probably shouldn't wrestle. All right, here we go. What would you say to someone that said, I would wrestle, but singlets are really awkward? I would say uh, <laughs> you're, you're kind of right, a little bit right, but they're, they're there for a reason. You, you, fingers don't get tore up. You know, and you, no shirt might look better. We might have better, more fans if we just had fight shorts, but it gets slippery quick. It gets really weird, and you got a face full of. Then now you are talking about like, what's the movie? The guy that does jump shot, and he gets oh, like yeah. the belly of <laughs> face. Sillers. Yeah, right yeah. You know, nobody wants that happening. Along came Polly. I think that's is the, name. the one. Is. All right, all right. Here we go. What would you say to someone that said, "Kale Sanderson is the greatest collegiate wrestler of all time"? I would disagree. I think uh, Kyle uh, Dake is, and here's my reasoning because I have this argument a lot. I think we'll have somebody go undefeated four times before we have somebody win at four different weights again. All right. What would you say to someone that said, Kale Sanderson will go down as the greatest collegiate wrestling coach of all time? I would say he is very much on track for that. Uh, eventually, somebody will beat him, but for a while, I, I would say yes. All right. What would you say to someone that said John Smith is the greatest American freestyle wrestler of all time? I don't. That's a. It's a really hard argument. Uh, Bruce Bumgarner, I think, is probably a little bit better. Um, but there's there's arguments for for John. I'm going to go Bruce though. Okay. All right. Just a few more left here. What would you say to someone that said wrestling is the most important discipline in mixed martial arts? I would say they are correct. I'm going to ask you, I'm give, biased. Me, give me a little bit more on that. Give me a little I'm bit biased. more. I'm th- biased. I think a bunch of the champs, uh, if you look historically, the last few years are, are wrestling is their, I'd say their main, you know, and there's ones that say it and they're not. And, and, and there's a lot of wrestlers that go out that don't make it. Uh, so there's arguments all the way around, but I would say yes. I would say if, if I'm getting my son ready to be UFC champ and I'm not worried about his, his wrestling, I'd still, wrestling would be our main thing we do growing up. All right, two more. What would you say to someone that said, a great jiu-jitsu player will always beat a great wrestler? <laughs> I'd probably <laughs> laugh and think it's a joke. You know, I wrote it down in my journal. Okay. You said a funny joke today. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I Yeah, I give a lot. They're, when they know what they're doing, it's, yeah, it's rough. And I love it. I love that part of, of jiu-jitsu because uh, – it's just different. It's different than wrestling, and and uh, I love the mindset. I love the learning, and and I love that it's less injury intensive. Unless you're against an idiot that just throws on a bar arm and tries to break your elbow, you know. It, as long as you're not ro- rolling with an idiot, I love that it, it fits real well for wrestlers as as we're aging. It's something we can jump into and enjoy. And uh, I'm excited to see it grow. I'd love to hear how they're going to get it. Like into schools, I think it would help a lot. You know, like judo's not in schools, wrestling is. Jiu-jitsu's not. We need more combat sports in school, uh, and I would love. I think it's one that could fit in because of that. That, that the injuries are lower, and anybody can do it. And I don't know, that's a pet peeve of mine. But I'd love to see it get in. Yeah, jiu-jitsu seems like a perfect Olympic sport, considering yeah. some of the Olympic sports that I've seen. Uh, that one seems to be the best one. But we are at the last and probably the most important question of the day. Most so, important question of the day. You ready? ready okay what would you say to someone that said the coolest thing about wrestling is the cauliflower ears Uh, i'd say they're probably right
<laughs> and I'm so happy because back in the day, it wasn't. When I was a kid, no, cauliflower ears were bad, and now they're good, and I love that. I love that they're they're uh, seen as like a trophy because that's the way we always look at it. It's like the trophy you can carry everywhere. Uh, so yes, they are they are right. It, it, that's one of the one one of them. One of the top three. It is the international symbol for don't mess with me. Yeah, like, I've done things before that you would probably not appreciate. So I, that I've done it to people like that are, have like road rage or something. I'll like point at my ear at them. I, I don't think it ever works, but in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'd say him. it's a deterrent. It's a pretty good him. deterrent, but Sam, we have gone everywhere in this conversation. We've talked about a lot of different things. So I appreciate you giving us this amount of time, but that is all for me. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? Oh man. Uh, check out, check out undaunted life. I, I love it. Everybody I talk to that starts listening, loves it. And you know, yeah. Spread the word. Uh, oh yeah. I will say one other thing. Yeah. Uh, Part of my job is fundraising. That's easily the hardest part for me. I love the wrestling part. If you're interested in helping uh, wrestlers achieve their Olympic goals, uh, we'll have it in the show notes, but okrtc.org. That's okay, like Oklahoma, RTC, like Regional Training Center. Okrtc.org. We need all the help we can get. You can, uh, you can help us. You can help kids reach their goals and learn how to be successful uh, both in wrestling and in life, and because that's our, that's our biggest thing. You know, the the odds of someone making the Olympic team very low. The odds of them learning how to be successful in life very high. Uh, and and I'll finish with that. It's something that I preach going back to the Bible. Uh, Jesus tells a a parable uh, about the the master, and he he's going to leave, and he gives the the gold talents talents like a year's worth of wages. You know, and he gives one five and one three and one two and. Uh, or five, two, and one, and uh, he leaves, and when he comes back, the guy that had five turned it into ten, the guy that had two turned it into four, and the guy that had one hit it, and it seems very uh, appropriate to to life and to wrestling, you know. Some of us, and I love that it's talents, I love that it, that's what it transfers over uh, into English, we're all given talents, you know, and, and some people are going to be better. I could do basketball, I could do everything right, and LeBron James is going to beat me uh, every time. Every time. He, he's got more talents. And uh, as a coach, I can tell you that the, the guys that, whether they have a great aptitude for wrestling, they have five or they only have two, but they go out and they give everything they got, uh, they are in their best. That is the best chance for them to succeed in wrestling. It's not, it's not cheating. It's not trying to do something you don't have. It's being the best at what you have. And and. The master's proud. Master's proud of the one of the five. He's ma- he's proud of the one of the two. Right. What he's mad about is the one that that hit it, that had this talent, and like we're worried and scared and fearful. And uh, I, I think that's a, a big part of what we're trying to do at the OKRTC. You know, we're we are looking to teach kids to use the talents they have. If we can grow a few more on that, and and find success, and, and realize some people just have more. You know, some people are just better and. It's amazing how many people don't, right? They don't do, they don't use their talents. And that that guy with five, and then you have the guy with three that turned it into six, and the five is just sitting on his five. That that guy with less beats him because he's he was willing to put in the effort and get better. And he's never going to beat the LeBron James that that did it right. You know, some people are just they're they're better at their they're made for it. You know, uh, 
but but they have the opportunity and they're going to find success and that, i find that's true in whatever you're doing whether right. you're a, a dishwasher or a podcaster or a wrestling coach if you're taking the abilities and talents you've been giving them and you're doing your best with those if you're you're trying to double them if you will uh you're going to be successful you're going to be successful you know i agree with that that's a great thing to end on sam hayswinkle thanks for coming on a daunted life a man's podcast absolutely appreciate it kyle there you go guys i hope you enjoyed my interview with sam hayswinkle and guys hey he is in my foxhole all right you can't have him he's my friend okay before we let you go we are going to do a quick resilience boost as you know by now at undaunted life our mission is equipping men to push back darkness and specifically we do that by giving you guys content like this podcast it helps you forge spiritual mental and physical resilience so for today i've got one link for you that is a link to the oklahoma regional training center that is where sam is the head coach we talked about it in the show if you are a supporter of wrestling and you want the love and grandeur of wrestling to get out to more kids make sure you go to okrtc.org that is in the show notes all right guys thanks so much for listening to the podcast wherever you're listening to this please subscribe rate and leave us a positive review if you want me to come speak at your live event or on your podcast just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life that's info at undaunted.life you can follow us on instagram and tiktok and like us on facebook you can also check out our website for everything else including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way just go to www.undaunted.life we also want to thank the band august Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>